0: Welcome to the Nick and Matt Show, bringing the player interviews you want to hear and the hot topics you want to discuss.
1: Recording live in studio. Here's Nick and Matt.
2: Episode one hundred and six D one six zero. It's been a long time coming. One hundred and sixty. Yeah, we've arrived. I know, and it's not even a Monday night. Yeah. Actually, it feels like a Monday night, kind of. Yeah. Yeah, I would say it, so. It's
3: this got this weird feel I to kept, it. I kept thinking today was Wednesday, all day today. I don't know why, but I have my days kind of off by one right now.
2: That is weird. Yeah. But it has to do with the show. Everyone's uh, clocks are messed up. I see the chat already saying Monday didn't feel the same. We apologize. But the way it worked out is I was down at USDGC with my two oldest boys and... ended up being 15 hours on the road to get back on Monday. I left Monday morning, 15 hours on the road. I wouldn't have made it in time. It would have been stressful to try to make it in time. And in turn, Ben wasn't even around in studio. Nope. He's on the top of a mountain somewhere. I
4: was the highest mountain in Massachusetts. Mount Greylock. It's just what we do every Columbus
2: day. Most people probably call it a hill, to be honest, outside of Massachusetts. Yeah.
4: Yeah, no, it, it's, it's uh, a mountain.
2: I know it's uh, still a mountain. It's it, not that tall. Oh, and we have Evan here. Oh,
1: Wait, oh, what? what? It's a hill. Hey,
2: what's up? I don't know if he was unmuted because of that. It's it probably
0: not. Was. It kind of oh. has a round top and it it's bugs. very steep. You can ski down it. There, I'm pretty sure there used to be trails on it. Oh, really? I think I would call it a mountain personally. It, I mean, but it's not it, like it's an official it's mountain not like Mount Elbert in Colorado being 14,000 feet. You <laughs> if know, you're from Whitney the West Coast, California.
2: If you're from the West Coast, you come out here, you call them hills. But I, you're right. They are mountains. They are mountains. Yeah. And, and it's different. still
0: small when you look at like Mount Washington, which, by the way, got snow today in New Hampshire. So that sounds awful. So as you can, tallest, pro- tallest point in my state's but i the tallest point in your state,
4: as you can probably <laughs> tell the, the rest of the show, we're going to be talking about mountains. So if you expected this golf, uh, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I say we're talking about mountains the whole time
3: I'm just gonna go home and go to bed I don't know anything about any of the mountains I just know I've skied a couple of them
0: <laughs> I would have a fun two hours I'm not gonna yeah. lie but I'd, I'd rather talk to his golf still. Yeah. <laughs> so
2: I, I was down at USDGC and that was a surprise I didn't let the show know last week that was a surprise to my two oldest kids it was literally wake up Wednesday morning they're ready for school and I go hey, do you want to go play a cool new course? They're like, yeah, that'd be great. And I said, how about Stafford Woods? Now, Stafford Woods, if you heard recently, is in jeopardy of getting canceled. I don't know what you want to call it. Oh,
3: also... I don't know if you said this episode one sixty presented by Cosmic DG. Here Sorry, we go
2: totally. That's perfect. This is just our off
3: day, anyways. But episode one sixty is presented by Cosmic DG. They were actually down at the USCGC, Matt. I don't know if you get a chance uh, yeah, to go I'll check them t- out. I'll definitely
2: talk about so, it. So, anyways, keep it going. No, that's good. And so Stafford Woods, he brought up Cosmic because Cosmic Dave there. Mm-hmm. That's the like home course, if you will, for them. Um, they actually just ran the Cosmic Open like the weekend prior, so three days before. So the course was looking spectacular. But I told my kids you want to go play Stafford Woods. They said yeah kind of questioning like that's a ways away dad and i said yeah and then after that you want to drive a little further maybe past baltimore somewhere and we'll get a hotel we'll stay overnight and they're like why would we do that i was like because we can wake up drive down to rock hill and spend the week viewing usdgc and my oldest son goes deal (laughs) 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 and so away we went literally like it's got to be weird being them if you've ever been surprised before you have like in your mind kind of like a week planned out and then next thing is just to, like, you're like, yeah. what are we doing? We're in the truck now, driving down, enjoying a week. So hotel was great. We're in the same hotel as a lot of the players, uh, just randomly. Didn't try to plan that one out. But the event, let me just give a shout out to the crew there down at Rock Hill. Um, JP, Jonathan Poole, and has been the original founder of this event. He's now in partnership hired if you actually hired i'm not doing quotes for hired sorry chad chad sullivan um who is starting to take on a lot of the reins of like being the in-between firewall to jp if you will so like problem man players go to all that kind of stuff jp's Mm kind of like the the man that sits on the 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 throne if you will but chad hooked me up and I will tell you what, that event, this is gonna be a, a big take. We'll have to revisit after because we're gonna get Holland Handley here in about mm, five or 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. So we'll do a, a recap after Holland. But USDGC and Throw Pink combined, it's, it's weird. That's a whole nother conversation too. Like it feels like the women's USDGC. Um, but USDGC, I'll just include all of that combined, is the best best disc golf event tournament combo that I have ever been a part of experience is extremely high when you combine those two together. Uh, the viewing options are unlimited there they could they could add thousands more you 'd have to get creative with how like you spectate i don 't see a full five thousand person gallery walking down some of these roads, but I can see the roads getting filled with predetermined seating and all that stuff it is too much for me to say right now, except that the experience level is extremely high. Um, it's the way that they put it and the way that they want to promote it. And I heard this at the. um The ceremony, the the award ceremony from JP himself, is that they are putting on the players event like not the players, the fans like this is for the fans, mm-hmm. Um, the people's major, the. Idea of throwing a massive party for everybody around disc golf. And that is all I experienced. From the last putt, they throw on a huge stage, they have a band just start playing. I'm talking the fog machines, the lights, the massive venue of what they call the village. I think it was, I'm going to get the numbers wrong now, over 50 different vendors there in a massive like festival fair environment huge i i could go on and on about the professionalism elite status of this event if my schedule allows i would love to go to this event over and over and over it was a vacation experience that me and my kids will never forget um and the way that i think as my title's an innovator it means you can always do better this was their 25th anniversary but I have it on record as they're not going to sit on their hands stoked that they have the best event. They're going to figure out how to be better every single year. So, I, again, I could go on and on. Did you see whole 7's viewing area? Yeah, I mean, I've seen pictures and you and I were
3: talking about a it pre-show. Um, it, it's kind of wild because I think, I don't remember exactly the last time I was down there. Maybe 2019, maybe, I think at this point. It's it's. Been a long time, actually. Uh, My first year that I went down there was 2016. I think I went for a couple days in 2017, and then maybe 2019 as well. Went down there for a little bit and uh, definitely wasn't as big of a spectacle as it is now. And I think back then I was just going to watch a couple players and watch them play and then kind of get out of there. But now at this point, with all the extra activities that they have going on there, I think it's... I mean, one of my favorite things about GMC is the Fall Fest that they do on Friday and Saturday. It's the live music, it's the vendors, it's the food trucks so any sort of tournament that has anything sort of like this, I think sounds incredible, Um, which means next year, Matt, we'll have to block off our schedule, make sure we get on down there.
2: Absolutely. Um, In fact, I don't want to spill anything over here, but they did have like podcast row, uh, maybe similar to something you'd experienced at the Super Bowl, like radio row. Um, they did invite us down for that. And I apologize to the fans who would love to see us there, but it wasn't going to work out for this year. Um, not because they didn't want us down there, but because we're too expensive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, not really, but there's, there's a lot of things that play with a four person crew here and not living that close. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're talking about next year and the opportunities that exist there. Um, with that being said, before we move out of this, I have to say wow, thank you to every single fan of the show that came up and said hi. I once said that um, Westy Acres, I was like, Nick, you go out to Westy Acres in Massachusetts, we got a, like a fan pocket over there of like crazy yeah. awesome fans, and yeah. it's true. And then we're at MVP Open, and like people are like, oh, like, wow, Nick and Matt, we love you, which is always so humbling to us. And I went down to USDGC, it blows away every event I've ever been to, including this, the, the world championships and everything. Mm-hmm. And the fans of our show, nonstop fist bump, fist bump, fist bump. Love the show to the point where Nick, I'm sitting at hole fourteen, like just taking it in as a pure spectator with my two boys. People just walking by down these roads constantly. Hey, hey, love love the sh- love, love what you're doing. Keep doing it. Keep. There's people around us that don't know who we are. This one guy gets up. And he comes around the front and he stands and he looks and he goes, can I shake your hand? And I said, yeah. He goes, I don't even know who you are, <laughs> but everybody keeps saying hi to you. And I think I'm missing out on something. <laughs> and it was just so cool. Like there's sincere, genuine fans that come up and say hi. And I actually had a moment of reflection yesterday while driving last night and this morning. And I mean this sincerely, the fan interaction with those who say like, keep doing it. We love what you're doing. Keep it up. That is why I'm going to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. There have been a few times I wanted to give up. It's a lot of work. But that interaction, not because we're important, but because somebody else is valuing the product yeah. is why I want to do it. Yeah. So extremely awesome. Uh guys, move into a few other simple topics. Uh for some reason I got to get Hall, not for some reason, I got to get Hall and Handley here lined up. Uh so you guys want to take a few topics sure usdgc go ahead and give us something evan maybe throw pink or usdgc and i'll get holland worked on
1: here
0: all right well let's start with usdgc that was the major although throw pink is a fantastic event but we'll talk about it more with holland uh kyle klein as you have no uh by now at least uh he takes it down it's his first MPO major of his career uh he now becomes the fourth uh first time winner in the last 5 MPO majors which is pretty incredible if you ask me this little bit of a stretch we're on the only non first time winner in that stretch is Isaac Robinson who was also a first time winner in this stretch when he won uh champions cup earlier this year he won worlds uh, of course being his second so r- really the, all, the last 5 major winners had zero combined major wins at this time last year plus like a week or two mm-hmm. uh what, that's pretty incredible. And if we're talking about a new era in disc golf, I think that's telling um, more than a lot of things. Cal um, Klein also wins 30 G's from this tournament, which is insane that we're at this level that that seems kind of normal for winning, uh, you know, at least a few of the majors. I think worlds was the same price point. This is 30 G's. And then we have the tour championship being 40,000 next week. Um, he, he won Waco early this year His his only other elite or major win. Of course that was from the chase card. A very exciting finish. He earned $7,500 for that win. Uh, so this win was uh, four times that amount, which is kind of incredible that you can win four times as much as an elite event uh, at just one other event, but of course being a major. Um, it, to note, Kyle has won an M major before. Um, so it's always tricky whether you have to you know, specify that it's his first pro major win or not. I understand people who uh, just, Call pro majors majors and you know if it's not you have to put you know other classifications in front of it uh but just to share that he did win u.s amateurs in ma1 um which is of course an amateur tournament um so he has a major win there in 2019 that was up in michigan um this is his third top 10 in a major this season and in seventh of his career um and he's done pretty well at ustgc i don't have it right in front of me i thought i did Uh, But of course, he uh, lost the playoff in 2021 to Paul McBeth. He charged from the uh, Kyle Klein, charged from the chase card, almost got that win. Um, He's done very well. Otherwise, at USDGC, Uh, his first major top 10 was here in 2020, uh, which was less than a year after he first uh, accepted pro cash, which is pretty uh, interesting. Um, Quickly, to name a few other people, Bradley Williams uh, finishes second. That's his best major finish of his career. Isaac Robinson. Uh, ties for third with Simon Lazat. Isaac Robinson has three podiums on the year, t- head to his two wins, which is very incredible. Uh, Simon Lazat gets his first podium since 2018 Kona Day. It's been a long time coming for him.
1: Good for it's him. also
0: been one of his best USG- USDGCs uh, of his career. He shot his best round ever um, this year at USDGC. Um, and I, I think he put on Instagram said he shot under par for the all four, all rounds, four rounds for the first time yeah. ever. So, Hey, Nick, that was your, uh, lock that was my pick?
3: guy to win it. Yep. yep. I kind
0: of, uh, I was like, he might be, uh, he's, he was on my drop short list. So <laughs> yeah. I'm thankful I did yeah. not pick him because Simon had a great finish. And then around out the top five, Calvin Heinberg gets yet another top five. Um, he has finished in the top, uh, five at every major, except for champions cup being 16th. And he's on a crazy good top 10 streak, uh, also since champions cup. Uh, Joel Freeman finishes fifth. Who's also done super well. He's now had five straight top 15 finishes at USDGC. Um, want to go one more note. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about later for, uh, the pop lock drops as well, but Nicholas Antela gets a, uh, tied for seventh place finish. He was the runner up last year, a lot of hype going into this year and he gets another top 10 finish at a major. Yeah.
2: So I'm glad, you know, yeah, my, my picks, I felt like were pretty far off. So I'm excited to see how it plays out here at the end um all right we do have lined up and in our virtual green room um a big time winner i don't know how else to introduce her but we're gonna (laughs) do a big big time winner uh let's go ahead and welcome to the show everybody um none other than holland handley Whoa, that's cool. No transition tonight, Ben. But hey, what's up, <laughs> how's Holland? It
4: going? I don't know. Hey, how's going?
2: Great. It is great to have you, Holland. Uh, we're really excited. We have been, and I told you this when I met you on the T-pad for the showcase, like the final showcase distance. I said, we've picked you quite a few times for events to win, and we've been thinking, when is it going to be? When is it going to be? Um, yeah, I'll leave it at that. We're excited to have you on eventually, and here it is. So Congratulations throw pink women's disc golf championship um let's just get right to it what does this mean to you you've been playing for a while and now you got it
5: yeah i mean i fully kind of expected i would get a win this year i'll be honest i didn't think it would take this long either um but i mean it feels (laughs) (laughs) you know it kind of feels to get the feels good to get the first one i kind of feel like that i put that pressure on myself and so i feel a little bit of a relief now that um now that I've done it, now that the kind of monkey's off the back, so to speak. Um,
2: yeah, it feels good. Yeah. And so I know that you and Ella had a little um, deal where it was like, hey, who gets it first gets to dye the other person's hair. Ella told us that in studio, but she's told it everywhere else, too. And she <laughs> won up at the Discmania Open, but she feels like that maybe didn't count, I guess is what we're going to say. Discmania Open.
5: Yeah. So we made this bet actually almost exactly a year ago. We made it right after the pro tour finale last year. And that was when we talked about like the specifics of it. And we, we said no silvers okay. um, just cause sometimes they're highly competitive and sometimes there's like 10 people there. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, Absolutely. And
5: so we said no silvers, but we said throw pink would count because that's certainly going to be um, a really competitive field so this that was predetermined
2: <laughs> it was a very competitive field and most people consider this the same level as a major and i don't know if that gets old or sick you're sick of hearing that but how do you treat this event
5: um i mean in my mind i think it's equivalent to like uh to a major it was it did feel a little weird there you know being on stage with, with kyle klein and like signing <laughs> all these autographs and like a special session and stuff and like He's, we just did the same thing or the equivalent thing, um, you know, playing four rounds at Winthrop and beating, you know, a field that had to qualify. And then he like, he's called a major winner and I'm not, it, it does seem a little bit weird. Although I understand why, like, it would also be a little weird for us to have an extra major when we have us women's and I don't want to see us women's go away. I think that's a really special event that I want to see us keep
3: us women's as in the traveling major for us women's like it is right now. You want to see that kept?
5: Yeah, I think, mm-hmm. um, I mean, traveling major or not, it's more the fact that you get all of the other mm-hmm. female divisions there. You know, if you're a woman in disc golf, there's a good chance most of the events that you play, you don't even have a full card. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's it's really cool from that aspect to see hundreds of women come together and play an event. And then also, you know, you get access to the touring pros that you just don't get at other events. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm getting to just casually talk to juniors after like a practice round or talk to other to masters players or am players in a way that I just don't get to do when I'm on tour. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause when I'm on tour and I get to talk to fans, it's like for a few seconds while they're grabbing an autograph and then, and then it's done, but getting to actually sit there and have like longer conversations with people is really cool.
0: No, definitely. Would you be for uh, throw pink being a fifth FPO major? I think the LPGA does the same thing, where they have five majors, where the men only have four. Uh, we we disc golf has a whole kind of fought for four majors uh, for a while, and now we're at there. Do you think it would be good to jump to five and have throw pink be the fifth to also keep U.S. Women's a major?
5: Yeah, I would rather see that than see throw pink just fully replace U.S. Uh, U.S. Women's. Um, I think both of them this year, both of the the crews that put those events on did a really good job of making it feel like a major and the payouts were like a major, the competition was like a major, you can kind of just call it what it already is. Mm. And um not just saying that because I won one. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
2: Let's just um, call it what it is. <laughs> um yeah, so Holland, I was down there and I actually have a similar feeling to you with seeing Kyle and yourself. Um, on stage, you get treated the same at the, at this venue, if you will, like you are getting treated the same equivalent level. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's where that weird, weird quote, you know, feeling is coming from because you're getting that, um, experience. Um, you're going up against the same level of competition in FPO at the highest level as the MPO is at the highest level. So, I I congratulate you on that win. I think everyone values their wins based off of the field in most cases, and I think there's nothing to be taken away from this one. Um, can you describe your heart rate and your nerves? Um, we're, we'll get to finishing out round one, but let's just get to the victory. So you're you're playing off, and especially hole one putting like I was there like with everybody else packed up against those fences trying to see what happened and you and Mm -hmm. Kristen both went to circle two and what was your heart rate like going up to that putt you looked really confident but what were you what were you feeling
5: honestly I was more nervous on the tee I felt like all day my my putt had been very like the stroke was looking very good it was every single putt I had that day It felt like it was just hitting the the center of the chains and you know I just had a what I would argue a, a scarier putt, you know, just second ago on 18 to uh, force the playoff. Um, so, so tell us about so yeah, 18 honestly,
2: then. What was the feeling on 18's putt?
5: Uh, Yeah, that one, it was interesting. Cause like compared to the throws, like how long it took me to get up to the green, like it kind of felt like, oh, I got this putt. Okay. You know, and okay. it was just at the edge of the circle. It was a putt I'd practiced, a putt I'd had earlier in the tournament on that hole mm-hmm. um, and had no problems with. And it's, it's almost the kind of situation where that, knowing that you have to make it, it's either you make it and you continue or you miss it and you're done. It almost makes it easier um, because there's no, like, there's no question of like, Oh, should I light it up? Should I get a softer bit? There's, there's nothing to do, but fully run that putt. And True. then, you know, getting ready for the playoff, I kind of kind of told myself that I didn't really have anything to be nervous about um, because I'm the one who came from the chase card. I'm not the two time world champion and the like, the world number one who's going into this playoff I'm kind of the underdog here so like if anyone should be nervous in that situation I would think it should be Kristen and that kind of helped me um settle in and start to feel kind of normal
2: wow uh I was just gonna say like everyone uses their mind tricks or whatever they want to do but it sounds to me like you convinced yourself or you just were legitimately like hey this is something you know that I'm not nervous about but You step up to hole one, you said you were nervous there, you threw, you attempted the putt, Christian attempted hers, both missed, let's go to hole 17, Uh, extremely famous hole for ruining people's rounds. Um, Mm -hmm. How did you feel going into 17?
5: Um, Actually, I was really glad that I was going first um, because I think I've, I've got some prior experience with them trying to do an island hole playoff. And I really do think mm-hmm. there's a huge advantage to going first because my only, my goal was to put it at a spot that was, I was trying to find like a compromise between really safe, but also really, really makeable putt. So I was trying to get it to about that 30 foot mark. Um, and then, I mean, I had, I feel like I had that shot pretty dialed all week. I part it every single round. I have like my spot off in the distance, throw my zone really hard and high and flat and it always lanes and bounds. Um, and I did that and I was able to put it about 30 feet right where I wanted, knowing that Kristen would kind of have a decision to make of, you know, does she want to just try to make it safe knowing that I've got a very runnable putt or does she want to try to park it? And then in my mind is if she's outside of me, I've she has to act first if she makes her putt or runs her putt, um, you know, I've got the decision then of like either I have to make it or I can decide if I want to push to the next hole. And then if she does manage to land in bounds closer than me, I can just assume she's going to make it. And again, just run the putt. There's no decision to be made. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, that was kind of what I was thinking there.
2: And then I heard your reaction, uh, post win, your jaw dropped when Kristen threw out of bounds. Um, she was trying to, my understanding is overcorrect for how she had played it previous holes, uh, on 17. Mm -hmm. And she overcorrected, and when Ob and your jaw dropped, you said, um, "Did you let yourself celebrate at all in that moment of Ob? Not not in her loss, but in maybe your win? Or did you say, I 'I gotta wait till she throws that drop zone'?"
5: Uh, I did a little bit, so I was like, "Ah, "I've seen her. I've seen her run some. (laughs) Like she's like she's gonna pull that harp out and just like whip it at the basket. And I know she's really accurate at that shot, but I did kind of start to feel like the the choked up kind of bit because I knew like that was probably going to be it like even if she did make it from the drop zone i've got a runnable putt here
1: um,
2: yeah. in
5: my mind like i was exactly where i wanted to be where i could make that if i needed to
2: yeah i mean just ask paul macbeth worlds out in utah he thought maybe it was over and james threw it in so yeah i'm i'm yeah. then but when she missed um your layup i liked the little like Potential roll away just to scare everybody. <laughs> was that, yeah, I mean, uh, well, that? Was that a little bit too much energy in that layup in your mind? Like maybe I just a little I mean, too maybe, much.
5: Now, <laughs> yeah, if we go back to seventeen during the round, um, you know, I was further away and I laid up and I put it to like just outside the bullseye, which is normally fine. But I kind of I pulled that putt just a little bit right. Uh, you know, Missy kind of made fun of me after that of like, don't be doing that now. <laughs> um, where like I almost just missed it from super short. So I was like, no, nah, I just put it on the pole. I didn't really mean that literally. Yeah. I uh, just how dialed that was. Put it on the pole. Put it on the pole. <laughs>
2: um, who remembers here? Anybody, Holland included. Do you remember Calvin's uh, attempted like light putt that ended up kicking up and rolling ob to like kind of take the win opportunity away from him? Was that last year or the year before? at this tournament I yeah it was like i
5: thought it was that was a couple years ago maybe,
0: maybe that it was is. the rain year was that 2020 okay yeah the yeah. year that he was, was wow time flies oh yeah, okay no yeah, right. yeah it's been three months uh, hey then. holland i like speaking of playoffs here because obviously we had the playoff you've been in a playoff before at you know roughly this level back at ddo earlier this year uh did you was ddo can you say it as like a learning experience for throw pink? Like, were you more settled going into this playoff because of that one? Or was that like, not even in your mind? Like, just talk us through that experience.
5: Oh, I definitely thought of DDO right before stepping up on 17. So (laughs) I was like, all right, we're playoff. We got an Island hole. And then I was like, it's going to be different this time. Um, Cause what, yeah, what happened with uh, the DDO playoff is I didn't have the disc I wanted. Um, Mm. I had chucked it into the water
1: during Mm. the round.
5: Um, cause I wanted to throw an Athena. And so I, I just pull, I actually disc up and maybe in hindsight, I should have just gone down to a buzz and thrown it really hard right at the basket. Um, I know I've talked to, to Brian Earhart about this a little bit, cause he was always like, why don't you just throw a mid range on that hole? Um, but yeah, I just put it too high into inside, didn't really give it a chance. Um, and so that was kind of what I remembered is like, you know, step one, make the Island <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
5: and then so- step two, trust your putt. <laughs>
0: Uh, so did that add more nerves to this playoff or did it kind of calm you because you knew, you know, you could just make the right decision here at throw pink instead?
5: Yeah, I think it was, it were, it was kind of like strengthened my resolve uh, if you will. And the, the nice thing about, you know, whole 17's Island versus the DDO Island is like, there's kind of a, the, the safe miss or to the right sides, a little bit easier to do um, than just trying to like, cause at, at DDO really the safe, Misses to try and just jam it long, which is what I did. And I just, you know, completely missed uh, the island anyway. So um, I think in some ways it's a little bit of an easier shot for me. And then in other ways, I was just determined to not do the repeat mistake.
2: Mm. Um, Does winning in a playoff against the world's current really undisputed right now fpo best fpo player and maybe you would dispute that that's fine (laughs) but um, (laughs) does that have any more significance to you than just winning and regulation like had you just won right out like is there anything to this that you're like i went to -to head-to-head playoff with the current like world reigning world champion and i beat her in a playoff is there anything to that or would you have said no just as big if i just won it outright
5: I think just as big if I had won it outright. Cause like either way I came from six strokes back with like, I, I didn't even know how many strokes back I was at the end of the day. Like that's how not thinking about winning I was. Um, I knew it was, it was the kind of thing where it was going to take kind of a miracle day to do. Um, so like playoff or no playoff. Um, yeah, it was, it was just special
2: mm-hmm. as it was. Mm-hmm. It seems to me like, cause I heard you describe that in one of your post round interviews, the idea of going into the round being like, you know, I would have to do this and they'd have to do this. It's one of those things where it's like kind of out of your control fully, you know what you have to do. Mm -hmm. And that's how I heard you describe it. And I think it must have been at some point a surprise to you. I think you said you looked maybe coming into 17 or coming out of 17 and were you surprised?
5: Uh, yeah, I was surprised. I mean, I knew something was up because like the energy kind of changed like the, the crowd for the last few holes you know that i i would do something very similar to someone else on my card and then they would cheer like a lot louder and it was almost like ramping up every birdie that i got the cheers were just getting louder and so like (laughs) i could tell something was up and there was a chance like maybe i'm like close or like i'm tied with somebody i was shocked that it was two strokes i didn't think i was like going in the final hole with two I thought maybe I was like one back and it was like, okay, you know, if you eagle, maybe, maybe something's up, but yeah, I was more shocked to see that I was in the lead at all.
2: Okay. So hole 18, you're stepping up. There was a little bit of a backup is how I remember it. Um, I'm somewhere off the side walkway. I can't see clearly myself, but we know you're throwing, we're watching live coverage, by the way, USDGC, the property there at Winthrop, they've got these large led screen TVs all over the place. It's actually incredible. So I'm able to stand up there and I'm like, I can't see over the gallery fully, but I know what's happening. Someone's throwing. Um, and I can watch it here on coverage. Sometimes a little bit of delay with like the reactions, like, <laughs> Ooh, and then you're like mm-hmm. looking on the screen you're like, what's happening. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. one of the ooze was, uh, your drive off of 18. It's now one of the shots been replayed so many times since mm-hmm. it actually took place. And I mean, some people are going frame by frame and zooming and And it's amazing the amount of people that are reacting to this shot. Can you kind of walk us through from your perspective, um, from the drive to completion of the hole?
5: Yeah. So my thoughts going into the drive was, you know, make sure you give it enough. Like if I throw that disc too soft and let it kind of saw off, I was getting a lot of rollways in practice. So I knew it needed to come out flat and hard and kind of low. And then it would just kind of scoot up the hill um and i mean out of my hand you know i definitely pulled it a couple feet wider to the left than i really meant to um but i'm watching it start to hook up and i'm thinking like okay i know this disc i know if it hooks before it gets to those leaves there's a good chance it may still land and bounce anyway um and of course it tickled some leaves and what i saw from from my perspective is i saw where it hit the ground and i believe that that was in bounds um and so I come off. Alexis goes and throws. Um, and then when Alexis comes off, so I, I I asked her. I was like, "Do you think that hit the ground in bounds?" She says, "Yes." There was a little more discussion with the card. You know, as we were walking up, um, the marshal kind of stopped everybody and like double checked with my card mates, making sure that everyone was agreeing. You know, before we walked all the way up there, um, that I had touched in bounds. And then looking at where the disc was in the water and seeing where that OB line was, it was kind of like, "Yeah, there's a really good chance that, that hit in." And so. Um, card was in agreement and that's kind of the end of it. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't looked at the video, I haven't gone frame by frame. Cause in, in my mind, you know, we don't get the benefit of video, right? We have to try to mm-hmm. make the call from the perspective we have in that moment. Um, and you know, I trust my card mates to, to speak up if they thought they saw, uh, that the disc was, didn't cross in. Um, and I just went with what the card said and, and that's kind of that.
2: Yeah. And so quick reaction to something you said, do you think you'll ever watch the video clip on that?
5: <laughs> I don't know. Maybe sometime in the off season when I'm really bored, I'll go watch
2: it. Okay. Um, yeah. So how are, how are you seeing any reaction to that shot right now? And how is it affecting you if you are seeing anything in relation to that?
5: Um, honestly, I'm kind of trying to avoid looking at it. Cause like while I've had time to think about it and reflect on it and like I'm, fine with the decision that I made um and you know after talking to other players other people who were there you know watching because there was the card behind us like Mm -hmm. I don't believe I did anything wrong I believe I was perfectly within the rules and I called it correctly based on what I saw um so I'm fine with my decision but Mm -hmm. it's not great still to see people like coming at me on the internet so honestly
2: wow Now the internet gods have just shut her down. (laughs) That's interesting. We'll see Mm -hmm. if we can load it back back. up here. Okay. There we go. You're back. Uh, Can you hear us, Holland? There we go.
5: Yeah. Yeah. I saw mine freeze
2: for just a second. Yeah. It literally froze for the same amount of time. But And I don't think it was breaking up for anybody, but with you being confident in your decision, that's all you can be. And I can respect Mm -hmm. and appreciate that. And I'm excited for the fact that you won um and it's really cool to have you on here to interview you um so where do we go go ahead i was gonna say where do we go from here i really want to bring up just
3: kind of and this is you know obviously this is a huge moment in the sport of disc golf and i don't want anyone to try to take away what your win was at that event i mean shooting the hot round the final rounds coming back from the chase card doing everything that you need to do in the playoff to go on and win the event is nothing short of incredible in and of itself but i think a lot of people we we see things on videos, we have a different angle, we have better viewing points than people do that are actually on the teapad sometimes. When you are standing on 18's pad, it's a slight uphill elevation going, can you see everything over, you know, the water where there's a little bit taller grass? Can you see everything from your point of view on the teapad? Or is there kind of obstruction to where it's like, oh, if I'm standing 20 feet to the right off the teapad, I can see it a little bit better?
5: So where the disc hit the dirt, I mm-hmm. can see that.
3: Okay, okay, gotcha. Yeah. Because I think uh, one of, the, like I said, one of the biggest things is we all have the best angle point of view. We can freeze the video. We're not the NBA or the WNBA where we can just, you know, say, "Hey, bring this up to the booth and have them do an official review on it." You know, I think I was actually I was talking to Hannah Macbeth about this right after the round, and I think we're all spoiled with being able to see afterwards what actually potentially happened in people's minds, you know, compared to what players are seeing on the card. But if you talked with your players about it the benefit goes to the player, even though it's something that's too close to call. I don't, I think this issue has kind of gotten a little bit too big. And I know, I think, you know, you're doing it to where you're not really watching it. You're trying to kind of avoid it at this point. And I I think that's a great idea, but yeah, I think the issue has kind of blown up a little bit.
2: We're going to, we're going to hash this off on the Nick and Matt show after the interview here, but where do you think you're going? Where do you think you're going to next Holland? Like this is a big win. Like, I, I know. Again, we aren't calling it a major, but this is equivalent. And what's next? I mean, Worlds, Elite Series—just more wins, or do you have a goal in mind?
5: I mean, I'm gonna try to win every tournament I play. There really. you go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm not—I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. Um, we've got, you know, my really my my biggest focus right now is just this weekend uh, Pro Tour finale. Um, the course is is sick. I love the changes that they've made, um, and I'm really looking forward to that.
2: Uh the payout for that is is it forty thousand? Is it I think it's, it's something like that. I think it's yeah. forty thousand if you take it 40, down. Yeah.
0: to the winner, twenty two thousand to second place, and fourteen thousand to third place. Uh you won a lot of money this weekend. Uh those are all more than you want at throw pink. So uh you, you're you set your career best with throw pink win. You could set a new career best with the top three finish.
5: True. I mean Missy did it a couple years ago, so Absolutely. One of my favorite people to compete with. So let's see. <laughs> there you go. Yeah.
2: Do you think, and we ask a lot of players this questions, is there such a thing as like momentum? And it, it, does this get a monkey off your back to say, or like where you now feel like you can actually perform better at the events that are close or tight or where you're sitting back significantly in the field?
5: Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. Uh, I'll let you know after this weekend, <laughs> but, uh, I think, cause sometimes there, you know, there are times where I'm practicing and I feel really, really good about a course and, then like, you never really know how you're going to feel until you get to the T of hole one and round one. Cause you know, the, the nerves always hit in some way. It doesn't matter how experienced you are. So, um, I think it's the kind of thing like I can't even predict how I'm going to feel, uh, come Thursday.
2: Yeah. Oh, I, if I'll just put it this way. No one's here to hear how I would feel, but I would imagine if I did what you did coming back as much as you did, I'd be like, I'm never out of it, you know, from here on out, like I've done it before. And so I think that's incredible to watch your performance do that. You seem to have a great season so far. We have one more event for you, at least as far as the championship's concerned. Um, is this your best disc golf year ever? I I mean, you'd have to say yes, right? Like, where do you feel like it ranks and compared to others even?
5: Um, uh, well, I mean, it's only my second year on tour and it's only, I've only been playing for four years. So yeah, I think it's, it's pretty easy <laughs> to say this is my best
2: year. Is the sky the limit? Do you feel like you have a lot more to offer as far as your skills and talents go?
5: Oh, certainly. I think, I mean, even just from the beginning of this year to now, um, you know, I've got plenty of weaknesses that I can, I can still like rattle off and, and work on. Um, and I mean, that's what I'm going to do can you Once can off season gets going
2: can you rattle off a few for you want me to us? rattle them off <laughs> yeah just rat, rattle yeah um, give it give us your list your short list
5: yeah i mean number one's throwing with putters so something i want to work on this offseason is getting better especially at straight shots um full speed all the way down to kind of those touchier shots um i think the short game has kind of been a pretty common thing that's you know kept me uh kept me out of contention at times where like, I'm able to get in a good position off the tee. And then I have fumbled the inside of 200 feet upshot. And so like, that's something I'm continuing to work on, Um, expanding my putting range. And I feel I I changed my putting stroke this season. And I think that was a really good move. Um, And it's paying off, you know, now on the tail end of the season, but expanding that range into circle two. And then just certain angles, both on the backhand and on the sidearm that I'm just not super comfortable with. And I kind of avoid in tournament. so like, especially, you know, forehand flex shots, I really avoid those unless I'm scrambling. But I think that's something that, um, so that angle control, um, is something that I think could be a really good weapon,
2: uh, in the future. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Do you have an ultimate background?
5: I do not. That's Ella.
2: Okay. No, I know it's <laughs> Ella. And for some reason I was feeling like you kind of came out of that same background. So you have no frisbee or disc experience before four years ago. Right. Okay. Awesome. And this well, was also,
3: this is the first year technically that you've been on Discraft. This was a major mm-hmm. bag switch going into the season. Oh, did we lose
2: her? <laughs> Maybe.
3: Uh, yeah, we I did. think we
0: lose her since you started talking. We, I didn't we, want to guys, interrupt you. <laughs> we did lose her.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, I was actually. We'll see if she comes back. Where my my question was kind of leading towards for the the um, ultimate was like, I think isn't that largely self officiated too, rule rules yeah. wise? And I was going to yes. ask her like if she in appreciates that and like, or if she would rather something else. Yeah. Not to be we're labor. We're going to talk that, more about it. Yes, we're going to talk more about this. <laughs> so go show. ahead. Yeah, uh, we want to know her back? salary. We want to yeah. know her contract when yeah. she comes. There we go. Awesome. When, when Holland comes back. No. <laughs>
1: yeah. So.
2: <laughs> Okay. So
1: So
3: I I think I was kind of asking just a minute ago is this was also, or this is the first year that you've been on discraft elite team, you know, how has that switch been? Um, how has the kind of discraft family been treating you everything like that? How has a major back switch gone into big decision-making in your career?
5: Yeah. So that was a lot of questions there. Um, so (laughs) I've been very happy with, (laughs) I've been very happy with how discrafts treated me. I feel like they have a level of professionalism, um that's just kind of i haven't necessarily seen um and granted i've only you know I, i've only been in the game for for a short period of time but they they really mm-hmm. do have just another level of professionalism in the way that they treat their players that i really appreciate um i feel like you know anytime i ask for something they're so quick to get it for me um like no questions asked and they've they've been really great um and then yeah going going forward uh going back to the bag switch um i feel like i handled it pretty well at this point like there's and there weren't a ton of like one to one disc swaps really. I didn't try <laughs> to approach it from that way. I more just like asked for a variety of things to try, um, and then as I was finding molds that I liked, trying to find like you know stabilities and stuff that just accomplished the shots that I needed, and then <laughs> kind of started to to tweak my game and build it around that bag. Um, Cause like, you know, like if I look at my, my mid range lineup, for example, like I was throwing a a trust when I was over at DD and a trust and a buzz aren't quite the same and a trust and a buzz SS aren't quite the same, but with a buzz SS and a buzz in the bag, I can get the same shots, the same shot shapes that I need. I just have to throw it like slightly differently. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, at, at this level, like any professional should be able to do that. Uh, no problem. So it just took like, little bit of time to get used to it and yeah. also helps that you know discraft has such a huge lineup mm-hmm. and because they're you know manufactured here it's easy for them to get me just a ton of different plastic and um do like specific runs kind of for what the team needs
1: mm-hmm.
5: um yeah and, and my teammates were also super helpful like uh, Corey and missy were really helpful in kind of telling me some good runs to try um you know kind of when we did like the whole team thing down in, in january um that was really helpful and kind of f- finishing the bag so to speak
2: okay so do you feel like how long is your contract set with discraft right now i know you just got over there but like how long is that
5: yeah as a one year
2: okay oh that's that's great so at the end of this year you're renegotiating or moving on is that true yep okay I was going to ask, because if you had multiple years, I was going to say, do you feel like you got a good deal or they got a good deal? Um, But it sounds like you guys did the deal probably correctly. And now are you going to use any sort of agency or is this going to be purely you and Discraft or whoever negotiating straight person to person?
5: Um, Yeah, I use, uh, I'm with Schaefer Sports Management, so Blake will take care of all of that. i don't have to think too
2: much about it nice. awesome shout out to blake that yeah. guy man um awesome yeah and he did my taxes mm-hmm. <laughs> he did so- mine too <laughs> <laughs> perfect we have something in common uh because it's definitely not how far we throw yeah. uh you throw pretty far and, so- <laughs> <laughs> and you laughed at me <laughs> that's pretty funny yeah, you got me i gotcha um so maybe I, I think i saw it posted but to finish out the the what am i thinking here the the bet that you made with ella what color did the hair get dyed
5: uh it is pink we dyed it sunday night she's got pink hair it looks great if you haven't (laughs) gone and looked at either of our instagrams she looks amazing with pink hair and also we practiced together her very first practice round since getting pink hair she gets an ace
2: oh look at that there's something to it yeah she is welcome
5: so (laughs) y'all need to watch out pink hair ella I think hair is dangerous on
2: the tour
3: championship
2: (laughs) that's i've
5: i've been saying it i've been saying it all week i think i think it might be ella's week like i hope it's my week but it might be ella's week
2: (laughs) oh man so so now it's over she doesn't get to dye your hair ever now right
5: I mean, not unless we make another bet.
2: Okay. All right, good. So oh, congrats Whoa. to you on that <laughs> as well.
5: <laughs> yeah, dude, I didn't want to dye my hair. So
2: really kind of <laughs> it you, was
3: you have a lot more of it than she does too. So I mean I know, because yeah. she's
5: like, oh whatever, I'll just cut it. And I'm like, I'm not cutting this. Right. Like
2: yeah. this, this right. takes
5: so long. I don't want to go with short hair.
2: <laughs> That's right. Um do you agree that this event, as much as we've talked about prestige and how big it is and how it's treated like a major and all that, do you agree that? Did you get to participate in any of the activities there, or did you pretty much just leave? You saw the village, you saw the the, the bandstand or the stage and everything that goes on there. What do you? Is this event massive or what?
5: Yeah, it's huge. I didn't hang around for any of the, any of the music or anything um, honestly after <laughs> rounds, I'm usually like, if I get back to my trailer and I shower and I sit down, I'm not moving. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't do a whole lot. I did go over, you know, and eat from the food trucks and, uh, you know, go say Hey to my, my sponsors who were vending. Right. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's massive. There's, there's tons and tons of people there. There's tons of things to do. It's, it's, it's pretty sweet.
2: Do you feel like, um, And I'm just looking like, not for affirmation, but I went down there and I've been to quite a few events. This has got to be the biggest event the U S has going on right now. And I I don't necessarily mean biggest title, obviously worlds is massive, but do you put any other other events up against this?
5: I mean, worlds had a lot. I don't think so. Cause like the other places didn't have like the big stage with the the music. (laughs) There have been some spots that had a lot of vending. Yeah um and the yeah, people the so. the gallery
2: size i haven't even gotten numbers back on that i, I gotta i gotta ask about that
5: yeah i know the gallery was pretty huge the gallery at worlds was pretty huge
2: was pretty yeah. big um yeah it was pretty big it was such an epic now, granted i
5: wasn't yeah i wasn't on the you know the final day lead card true like i was at Worlds, so maybe you know true. my comparison's a little bit <laughs> biased there but i mean yeah they were there was a pretty massive crowd in, in both spaces and i think. I feel like at Green Mountain or at uh, at Smuggs, yeah. especially like with how much room there is on hole eighteen, like you can probably see the crowd a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Like I can only see so many of the people when I'm like walking up eighteen at Winthrop or when I'm walking up seventeen at Winthrop.
1: Mm-hmm. True.
5: So. What have you get the
2: metrics on that one? Yeah, I was kind of using my one wheel to get around the property there at Winthrop. And I can tell you the crowds were packed on those roadways from 18 all the way down past seven. I mean, it's just all the way to 14 massive. So anyways, I just was looking for your perspective on how, how what you thought of the event. Massive event. I appreciate what the staff does down there. And mm-hmm. um off of disc golf just a little bit. You've been in the sport for four years now what's something that you like to do? You said <laughs> shower, sit down in the trailer and just not move, but like, what's something you do in that time? Is it, uh, reading puzzles, video games, like sleeping, like what's, what's something you like to do besides just golf?
5: Oh, uh, I've been, I've been super into the, the new, uh, Zelda game, oh. breath of, or not breath of wild, the sequel to breath of the wild Tears of the kingdom. So okay. I'm, I'm still, I'm still rocking on that. Um, wow yeah i mean we'll, we'll we'll we've got a huge board game collection in the trailer um probably more than is reasonable to bring on the road but we got a <laughs> ton of them um so you know that's that's more probably in off weeks when we're hanging with friends and have a little more energy um because like you'd be surprised at how much time like preparing for and competing in tournaments takes up um After tournament rounds, yeah, usually I'm like I put the men's coverage on, and I'll usually nap for like the first half, and then catch the end of it.
0: (laughs) Nice. What's your number one board game right now? Like you guys, you're playing with new people, and you're just like, hey, let's play a game, and it's the first one that comes to your mind that you want to do.
1: Oh
5: man, well recently the one we've been playing is called a Raw, so it's like a kind of a betting game, or Mm. like a yeah, it's like you know you're trying to get combinations of tiles that get you kind of different points. And so you kind of take turns everybody drawing from a bag and putting them in like a marketplace and you can either choose to like draw or like say we're we're betting on this now. And so you're kind of trying to gauge like, you know, do I try to conserve money? Do I try to like go for it and score points here? And then, you know, when you're drawing stuff out of the bag, you can draw bad stuff, too. It's I'm explaining it poorly, but (laughs) (laughs) it's uh, it it gets pretty wild. Actually, this is
0: raw like R.A. or.
5: Yeah. All right. We played it with right, uh, to Missy, Tom and Ella while we were in the, the off week before throw pink started.
0: Yeah. And the last question I have here is we're, I mean, tour championships really the last event of the season. Are you planning to play any more events after that? Or are you just getting home and hanging out?
5: Uh, yeah, we'll be doing, so we off season in, in Oklahoma. Um, my boyfriend's family has a big ranch uh, down there. And so we're going to hit Oklahoma open on the way home. Um, we'll go through Tulsa and then I'll have a week off at home and then I'll go down to Dallas to do veterans park open. Cause that's about half an hour from where my mom lives. So I'll go visit her and play that one too.
2: Nice. nice. Very cool. I, I had to kind of chuckle to myself as you said, you were explaining the board game poorly. And I feel like that is true any time you explain a board game to anybody that they don't un- they've yeah. never played every single time you're like you just have to play it it's
3: like it's like trying to explain playing yeah. birdie with people oh it's new horrible
2: people. yeah it's, it's awful to try to explain it's like let's just play yeah. and you'll you'll no. get the gist of it so it sounds great yeah. <clears throat> All right. Um, well, fantastic. I appreciate so much the fact that you took time to come on the show here, and we're privileged and honored to have you. And is there anything we missed that you'd like to shout out or talk about before you go? The platform's yours.
5: Oh, I mean, I don't, I don't think so. I think I'll okay. ask some good questions, so I think I'm good.
3: All right. All right. Appreciate well, you coming I, on. Congratulations once again on a massive throw pink women's golf championship win. And then good luck at the tour championships. We will 100% be watching as the Nicamacho.
2: Yeah, and I was just going to say, we're going to make picks later of, of some sort. So mm-hmm. is Holland making it into the final four? Oh, uh, dude,
5: so
0: my mom's <laughs> flying in here. this
5: weekend. Ooh. My mom's flying in this weekend, all right?
0: Okay.
1: Is she good luck or right. is she... <laughs> Or she well, like? me no, she got. A, I can't.
5: I can't have her show up on. Like, she's only gonna be here Saturday <laughs> night and Sunday. So the only way she watches me play live is if I make
0: it. Uh, so, like, yeah, I'm, I'm no, making it. To no, that is some big stakes. we're, well, yeah. we're gonna have, have to be talking advantage. about that later. You have it. A, Sorry, mm-hmm. a two stroke advantage over the cut line. Yeah. So, uh, yes. good luck to you and and hold on to that mm-hmm. advantage you got. All right,
1: cool. awesome. Thanks. Have a good great time. evening, Holly. Thanks y'all. for coming. All right,
2: peace out. All right, guys, that was Holland Handley. The chat has been a little wild, not too wild, but a little wild. Everyone's got strong opinions. I would like to wrap up the topic of hole 18 and that throw and how it was ruled before we move into any other topic. Uh, I mean, Let's that means we're going to spend the rest nope. of the show talking. About nope. it. <laughs> I'm saying my piece and you guys don't get to talk. No, OK, Here, here's the, here's the deal. <clears throat> Currently, the sport is ruled by group decision. I don't think that's new to anybody unless you're brand new to the mm-hmm. sport. So that's just is what it is. Um, here's a few quotes, Missy Gannon. She thinks it might've cut in and then rolled out on the course real time. Mm-hmm. That's right out of her mouth, uh, through the live, uh, through the live production. Uh, Juliana Corver. I can understand that from the T they think it did cross and bounds. I don't fault the card for giving her that spot. It's so close that I would, as a player from the T, given it to her as well. Juliana Corver legend in the sport, seeing it also from the camera view. Now, from the camera view, she's pretty sure it stayed out of bounds. But she says being in their situation, she would have done the same thing. (laughs) Zoe Andike, there is a chance that it hit the tree over the inbounds line. Uh, Holland, uh, I thought it had touched and I asked Alexis and she thought it did too. And two is enough to make the call, which is true. Um, And Missy also thought it had touched inbounds. So (sighs) I've seen events. And then so someone goes, well, that's great, Matt but do we want to distort the game? Do we want to water it down? Do we want to have egregious mistakes happen where it affects somebody's livelihood or whatever, right? Because of a shot they've made. So they say, let's let's have the spotter. What's up with the spotter? Why wasn't he there? Well, the spotter was there and it's very possible. I haven't talked to this spotter specifically, but it's very possible that that spotter thought it was either close enough that he didn't want to say anything And they didn't specifically reach out and ask him. There was a marshal that was on the card, literally making sure that everybody was in agreement with the ruling that was made. Mm -hmm. And so here's my thing. Everyone wants to say that, like, oh, maybe people on that group didn't want to make a hard call. Well, that's usually why you have multiple people answering the question. Okay? It's not just one. It's at least two. The other thing is here, I may be speculating here, and if actually, I am speculating. If this happened on Kristen's card, I can almost assure you the same answer would have happened, Mm -hmm. even with Kristen on that card, because there would have been multiple players who would have said this. Now, some people are still going to be bothered. Well, Matt, I don't care how many people say it. If I can see on video that it was out, don't we want to have the most true um, aspect of the sport and like its results? Like, don't we want that? And we've seen sports for how long now? Incorporating replays and incorporating going to the, the booth checking out every you know millisecond of what happened in fact i think the patriots won some super bowls because of replays um but here's the thing
4: and deflated balls
2: (laughs) get
1: out
4: of
2: here so (laughs) um the rub here to me is not whether or not that integrity was here like was the right call made because here's the deal the right call was made the group made the call Mm -hmm. that's the right call the question is I wouldn't is, go as far as to say that.
3: But the group made the call that they thought was right. Doesn't mean it's the right call. They thought it was right, though.
0: Well, it's the right rules, call. that is the right yeah, call. It's the right call. That's, that's what Matt's trying to say. <laughs> hey, Not thank that you, it's like, I get thank what you, you mean, you, but I'm, I'm just saying world, that like a, yeah. In a perfect world, like it might have been, you know, ruled a different way because yeah. of yes. replay or something else. So but.
2: He, here's where I'm going with this. There were events, and I think it was at Portland Open, where I'll throw Missy Gannon's name out there. She had thrown a shot on one of these over the water holes. She thought she had crossed in bounds at one place and, and video coverage. It was very clear. She did not cross in bounds. This is another situation. I should have pulled it up as a video. Go find it. At Portland open. I don't remember which round it is. And the group walks up there and the spotters like very clearly it never crossed in bounds. And they all look at each other, the cards and they go, did it cross in bounds? And the group says, "Yeah, I think it crossed in bounds up here." The spotter's like, "It definitely didn't cross in bounds." The group goes, "Yeah, we think it did. We make the decision." That's I'm paraphrasing, but that is what happened. And so the rub here is not whether or not again the the rules were handled correctly. It's whether or not, as a sport, um, we would like to progress forward with that. Um, and at this point. I'm okay with it because I feel like there's no quick, immediate fix to it. And just like, I'm not going to bring up every situation under the sun, but my wife has assured me many times, like the world is not just ending tomorrow. There's a lot of things in place that would prevent that from happening. And I'm, I'm, again, I'm paraphrasing, but like you aren't going to make disc golf lack integrity and be a horrible watered down sport because groups are making calls. It's been that way for a long time. It actually stands up pretty well um so it doesn't really matter if the spotter calls it because the group's going to make that decision anyways if they feel like that's the right one and then finally you ready for this one guys you're going to love this one sure i am so first of all video evidence is inadmissible so what you guys saw doesn't matter yeah it's mattering for the perception of the sport Mm -hmm. and some could say the integrity that's fine but here's the deal i am sure each of you if you play disc golf Competitively. I'm sure each of you have benefited from a wrong call in disc golf. I can almost guarantee it, a bunch of cheaters we all are. And I feel that because there is no way that every single time from your group that you have seen something accurately, how many times have you gotten up there and been like, This is what we saw? And someone else is like, No, it's definitely not what we saw. Um, if you've ever been in a relationship with a significant other, how many times have you said something? The other person is like, You didn't say that. You said this. And you're like, no, I definitely didn't say that. Perception is crazy. And all my point is, when you play disc golf, guaranteed there have been calls made in your favor. I'm not saying you knew it. I'm not saying you knew that it was in your favor and it was really, let's say, out of bounds. But I guarantee it's happened at some point for you. The question is, and I'll send this out to everybody. Do we want to get rid of that? Because right now that's acceptable in the sport. Let the cards make the call. Do we want to get rid of that? And is there a way to do that? Uh, but to this point, congratulations, Holly. I don't see anything, Holly. Nefar- ha- Holly, yeah. yeah. anything crazy, lacking integrity, nothing of the sort. Yeah. It's a question of is this what? That's the debate or the debate and conversation I would have. Is this what we want for the sport going forward, uh, or would we like to see cameras on all the trees and replays and yeah. people making calls besides the players? And that's y- that's it.
4: You know, the craziest part about this whole thing, everyone commenting, if they're in that position, probably. Now And they knew, when I'm not saying Holland knew, and they knew it went out of bounds. If you're in that position, I guarantee you're looking the other way because you want to win. And you got to think about what you would do, even though you're uh, commenting like, oh, it went out of bounds. Like, I'm just saying. I think, what are you saying?
2: I'm saying that Holland looked the other down. way.
4: No, no, I'm saying no, no. Holland did not. <laughs> I'm saying all the people commenting need to realize like, oh, what if I was in this situation? What would they do? And I don't think people are thinking yeah, about $5, that. $5,000
2: was
0: on the line. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. to be
2: fair, I'm, yeah. there, I'm there at the course now. Oh, my
4: bad. Wrong.
2: I'm there at the course. It would have been out of place for anybody to do this. But nobody's like in the galleries that I heard or around me being like, oh, my goodness, that never crossed in." Like nobody's doing that. Like in the gallery, even having discussions amongst themselves. It's only people who are watching on cameras. And this is my point over all the years of disc golf, over all the years before live coverage, how many times were wrong to Nick's point, wrong calls made using the rules, but wrong calls made um, that benefited somebody to be able to win. I guarantee it is way more than anybody knows. We're seeing it more. Are we okay with it? That's my question. Are we okay with it? And how would we move forward?
3: Well, I'm going to just quickly go to the chat right now because the chat's blowing up. Shout out to everyone even talking about this and just joining the show and in the discussions with all this. So but... easy to work them up. Exactly. <laughs> Daniel, our OG, Daniel, our guy who did the pop lock and drops with us last week, said, that's why I like drop zones or retease on shots like that. If it lands OB, you retease. It's the a way great You answer. don't have to. I love that. I, I absolutely love that. And especially someone earlier in the chat, Flint was talking about blind holes. T shots that land OB, I think a majority of time should go to a drop zone. I think par threes that have Island greens or are long with OB surrounding pretty much the whole thing. I love drop zones that you could save a three, but you have to hit a putt like hole 16 at the Fort, um, 2021 worlds was an awesome par three downhill Island. It's where James actually won the world championships. If you miss that Island, you go to the drop zone. It's a makeable putt. But it's, it's not easy, but it's no determination of, oh, did that land in bounds? Did it not land in bounds? All of this is completely gone. This whole conversation has gone. You take the drop zone, you put it onto 18's fairway to the right short of like bottom of the hill. And now they have a hard shot. They're already, you know, it could have been beneficial for her. Or it could have not been beneficial for her if there was a drop zone. That there. fixes this situation. I think it fixes most situations in the conversation. I think it of, fixes a lot it, as well. It it. It takes out the for, whole conversation for most, of most did it,
2: situations yeah. of OB foot faults. We're still group decision. Yeah, time calls. Nobody's doing well. It's it's going to be rare. So my point is like, are we foregoing? This is my question. Should we forego the group yeah. decision thing and just say let's? Like, how would you officiate the rules then?
3: Look as uh, a disc as a disc is flying through the air. And I'm not saying, you know, I don't have perfect eyesight. I think I have pretty good eyesight. But when you're watching a disc and it hits a tree 30 feet up in the air and then it lands and it doesn't... A disc doesn't just perfectly land flat, okay? It's not a ball where it's just symmetrical and it just lands flat, okay? The disc is kind of wobbling through the air, sometimes moves left to right. When it comes down, if it sways a little bit, now you have to think, oh, where it hit in the tree was that part in bounce It's a very... it for the card meets for us we could say it's an easy call to make we can watch it we can slow it down we can go frame by frame we can look at this is where it hit the tree this is where the ob line is yes it's inbounds no it wasn't in inbounds for the card mates though to do that all in real time it's more more often than not the same exact result happens had this been any other card whether it was a lead card chase card or the last card that disc hits where it did and lands the way that it did i think the same call happens 99 percent of the time
2: the fact that, yeah, and I'm going back a little. bit. The fact that two people said they feel comfortable, and I don't yeah. think strongly that it was in bounds, and they spoke that up. Two people
3: that weren't hauling. <clears throat> remember that two people that weren't hauling, Missy and Alexis.
2: Yes, both thought. Yes, I believe it went there exactly. And uh, if I'm, I've been in a few group call decisions on a tournament. Granted, not for a, a major title. And. If you feel strongly about something, you're going to say it. People look at you and go, you're crazy. But you're like, I'm only saying there. I remember one guy looking at me being like, how in the heck are you calling that on me? Like, you're so wrong. Like, it's obvious. They kept saying it to me. It's obvious. And I said, you think I'm just like making up what I saw? Like, it's I'm not saying you didn't see what you see. And I'm saying I saw what I saw. Like, I give you that but like, I can't just change what I saw. Like, Oh, you convinced me. Now I saw something different. Like I can't do that. And that's the interesting thing about the rules here is that it was called that way. I don't think you could have walked up and said, Alexis, like the the spotter, for instance, no, I saw it up here. So will you change your opinion? Alexis goes, you know what spotter you, I guess you're up here further I'm going to change. I didn't see I didn't see it. No, yeah. I, I, I guess I made that up. I didn't see it go in. And, and Missy does the same thing. You know what, spotter? I must have just made it up. I didn't see. You saw better than me. I guess I'm wrong. Like, that's not going to happen if you bring the spotter in. Everyone's like, bring the spotter down. And I already told you what happened at Portland. And I use the name Missy. Like, when, when, and I'm not trying to say Missy as in Missy's making bad calls. That, although that's interesting. That I just said that. But it's like, the spotter can give their opinion, but it's a group decision how do we fix this and drop zones a great idea
1: yeah but yeah, rule, I rule think,
2: calling in general
0: i i think what nick's getting to and daniel in the chat with the drop zone is one step uh, in order to get to what you're getting at matt and this is kind of my thought looking through all of it is i think we need less ambiguity in uh courses you know and, and that's why adding drop zones is one step um but then also in the rules like i i'm a i've talked about my ideas on like uh step putts and jump putts that it's really hard to tell that if it's uh an advantage it's it's really hard to tell if you know it's illegal or not and there's a huge advantage uh swing with that and so i think we should be having rules that limit those i mean you have uh like the triple mando at 2021 worlds where page pierce Mm -hmm. missed it and you could see it on replay that's another one that goes to my mind Mm -hmm. there's too much ambiguity but then you look at hole seven at winthrop you know if someone made the triple mando or not like it's very very clear from the tee, and you're it's there's enough bamboo around it that you know um, but then you look at hole five at usdgc and for the men you have to play the mando left of those trees there's a big long kind of foul pole type thing and you have to play over the water I, I think it was simon uh somebody threw yeah. very high and it from the camera it looked like it went around to the right which was missing the mando But it's very hard to tell. And I mean, it even happens in like football and baseball. If you uh, kick a field goal and it goes over the upright, it's hard to tell if it was inside or outside. Like the ambiguity still happens. But I think we should think about that when you design a course like, hey, we want to put this Mando in, but it's only, you know, it's still a very tall 200 foot pole or something. But there's still a chance that somebody throws it around and and maybe it's not 200 feet that's really really tall uh but uh, (laughs) you you put that in you have to know that there's going to be some sort of doubt like if you have like island greens generally are a straight shot i don't i can't think of a pro tour course where the island green is like completely blind so that way you don't know if you cross over it Mm -hmm. to make the island uh, or not it's I just like I think that's something that we should strive for over time It's not going to come immediately, but it's one thing to think about just constantly like hey is there ambiguity in this? Mm-hmm. Uh, the drop zone's a great one i I'm also like I'm for the bunker rule I think that's great where you just have to re T but then you don't lose a stroke like mm-hmm. we see it all sixteen in the European open. Uh, I think there's a lot of ways to do that um, mm-hmm. and it's a step but uh, to talk specifically about this Holland hanley Handley throw, I think the camera Looks fairly clear that it didn't uh, ever go inbounds, but it still wasn't definitive. Uh, As Zoe was saying, when you you said those recaps, we don't know where the tree was. It it was a diagonal line. Um, It very easily could have crossed overhead, you know, three or five feet back of where it ended up landing. It's very, very hard to tell. And again, there's just too much ambiguity to it. I I would love to see um, things just like when these happen, you work to be better. I don't know if there's much more to say on it.
2: How many times have you seen in professional sporting events? I'm thinking probably mainly football, but baseball's included now. Basketball's included now. Where even after watching video replay, they get it wrong. And the the, the world world goes crazy. So like, even if you gave the permission to the spotters, they call them an official and they make the rule. They get it wrong. Everyone else goes wild too. No, it was definitely in bounds. You know, like, it's like, no matter what, you're going to have a little bit of ambiguity. But what I like about the drop zone is that that removes most of all of that.
0: Um, yeah, I think it's a good step. And, Matt, I think you bring a good point about, you know, other sports deal with this even when they have replay. It's really easy to do this when you're when you're not Kristen Tatar or a huge Kristen Tatar fan, um, <laughs> as in if you're neutral is what I'm, I'm trying to get at, not that I'm not a fan of her. Um it, but when you don't have emotion tied to it, if you're a huge fan of her, you're mm-hmm. going to be really, really upset about this. I mean, I, like the people who know me know how upset I get at calls for all the sports teams I'm fans of. Uh, it's very, very frustrating in the moment. But then when you see it from the outside, you can be like, hey, it, it's just really hard to tell. Uh, and what they say in those moments is... Hey, you could have won the game in other ways. You know, yeah, that flag at the <laughs> end of the game in football. Well, you guys missed a field goal earlier in the game. Like you could have Absolutely. won it there. And so, you know, I, I love Kristen's and hate her. that sentiment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's love like, and hate it. It's, it's like, like people. It it's, it's like people who lose in the playoff
3: you. and they're like, oh, I could have made that putt on hole five, or you could have made that putt on hole five that was from fifteen feet away. It's like no shit Sherlock. I definitely could have done that, but at <laughs> yeah. the same time, it's like, we're talking about in the moment at the end of it. Where and that's my where point is there's
0: so many, there's so many important moments yeah. throughout a whole tournament. It was a four round tournament. They played 72 holes and Winthrop is pretty good at having stroke swings. Uh, Kristen was, you know, I, I don't know if she was exactly leading, but like, let's say in the driver's seat, uh, to play well. Uh, and then, you know, wasn't playing her best she fell back she came back in she fell back she came back in like she she had a lots of opportunities to win it and didn't uh until Holland kind of opened the door and you know to be fair sometimes it goes the other way like think about Waco with it happening (laughs) to Ella it did open the door and, and Kristen came in and won uh but sometimes it it's just it's a good other, point you know, it's a good things.
2: point so I really hate to bring this up as a New England Patriots fan we're, obviously we're not the same team we were the past 20 years God, we suck right but now. what about like yeah, we're
0: not good Dude, what about the
2: snowball versus the Raiders anyone that's in the NFL knows that they okay, got ripped okay. off they got ripped off the Raiders no, no
0: no 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 can I can I explain this for real yeah, quick go ahead I, I know you're trying to just to use uh, an example but this one annoys me uh, oh the, my classic but, Evan no stop <laughs> So I, I'm trying to think of a disc golf analogy for this, but it's it's essentially like uh, a bad rule. I mean, you could like maybe the Mando rule feels this way to it. But that year, the NFL changed the rules to, uh, as they change the rules very often, uh, they changed the rules to pretty much heavily favor quarterbacks. Sound familiar? They're still doing it to this day. Um, if you look throughout the whole entire season, the exact same situation happens maybe a half a dozen to a dozen times. It it was. It's how they called it the entire season now is that how the sport of football really should be does it really feel like a fumble yeah they've changed the rules since then and have corrected but as of that season that was indeed an incomplete pass it's, it's, that was their intention of the season that's yeah, okay it's I sensitive
2: what it's sensitive to Evan in, but here's my, here's my main point no it's P- sensitive
0: <laughs> it's sensitive because people uh, <laughs> think of other things than rather actually the context of the time like do you think Evan goal, was a
2: fan of the Patriots or the Raider? Raiders I
0: oh it's very clear I admitted that He's
2: well, out of this Wait, this was my point. We don't have to talk about the Patriots game. My point was more or less piggybacking on yours. And and I know it was like I was a little wrong. But like your perspective as a fan, like back then I was arguing hardcore one way. The Raiders arguing hardcore the other way. And it's like if you are a fan, someone said this in the chat and I almost didn't want to say it out loud, but it's worth at least just mentioning it. Someone said if this was Kristen, the world right now would not be as upset. There may be some validity to that. She is a fan favorite, right? Fandom says so, right, Evan? Like you're more likely, you're more likely to go with who your player is, your favorite player. Again, that's not on Kristen. That actually has nothing to do with Kristen. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to make that be like a take like Kristen would have said. But I already did say Kristen's card probably would have ruled the same way. So, like again, I think they would have <coughs> based off the perspective. I think percent of the cars yeah. out there would have ruled it the same. Based attack. off the perspective, so that's uh, why I said, do we want disc golf to yeah. keep going that direction? I think drop zone. I think there will be a drop zone on hole eighteen next year. I think there should. i, be. Think I, there be. There I obt <laughs> shots.
3: I mean, um, Southpaw, we do have the technology to show the drive. I don't think we're gonna do it. they were asking uh, if we have, uh, if we can yeah. do the replay. We can do it,
2: replays, but
3: it would it would I think take a little bit we to find it. Off this we gotta clip it off of DGN. I
0: agree. Yeah, I want to <laughs> recap the rest of the event. I do have approval. Cool I do have approval to use
2: DG and stuff, but yeah. in some shows, do it. It. It, our anyone listening on audience. DGN, look up
3: their post round, whatever. Watch Joe okay. for it when it comes and out in a couple to, weeks. To end it I mean, all,
4: I'm just going to say this Ty goes to the runner. Well, now you you're going to get the next okay, group started. No, yep. Yeah, you're
1: getting no, the next group. Okay. No, I no, to no, Evan. No, no, all right. I'm move on. We're tongue. moving on. We're moving on.
0: Evan is I not derailing the show. Because what that's wrong <laughs> in baseball? I got to nope. say that. That's not, right. how it yeah, it's not how
2: the rules Yeah, That's not how the works. <laughs> <laughs> that's not how it <laughs> works. Yeah, it time goes Corona. It's
0: the same issue. Okay. All right. I want to say
2: this. Go ahead and do the recap, Evan. Say what you're saying, then do your recap, then we'll move into the next topic.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, everyone knows by now that Kristen Tatar finished in second. But. What she did do with this is when uh, I think it was over 7000 I think it was like $7,150. She has now set the single-year cash earnings record in all of PDGA history. Uh, that's man or woman. Uh, she was the first to break 100000 last year, but then Ricky Awaesaki ended up passing her. Paul McBeth also had 100 but didn't pass uh, Tatar's record. Uh, this year, uh, Kristen has gone out and beaten both her and Ricky's record. Uh, she is now the number one. Uh, on that list all time, which is very, very cool to see. And we're not even done yet. We mentioned the tour uh, championship payouts. She has the chance to put that up to 147,000, which would be insane. Uh, but of course other players also have a chance to win that money instead. And, uh, Kristen Tatar could be a little bit, uh, less, but still a lot of money on the season. Uh, she finished second place last year. So now she has been back to back second uh, places. And then, um, Real quick, of Blomers and Evelina Saladin tied for third. They I were both leading through uh, back and forth throughout this tournament. They were looking great. Of course, putting uh, is still a little bit of uh, an issue, something to work on, but they uh, were definitely playing great in it the whole time. Ella Hansen also had a great event. Uh, she was kind of up and down uh, throughout the tournament, had some really good rounds, uh, had some also really not the best putting. She finished in fifth place. Uh, and then lastly, I want to mention uh, Eliezer Middling. Uh, she goes by Ellie. Uh, remember her from Worlds, the distance constant distance contest held at Worlds. Uh, I I don't know if she won it or just had the farthest throw at some point. Maybe in the preliminaries, uh, she can throw a mile. Uh, some people say she has like MPO level form, which I don't love to say it like that because it's almost you know. Uh, it's the, it It's not necessarily
2: the, the form. It's power. It's a power throw. Like we don't see many fpo players do the only one i can even think closely of honestly is paige with that power maybe katrina but really it's it's limited to very few
0: yeah and she she throws incredibly well she's only 16 years old uh she's still going through school so uh (laughs) who knows how many events will she see her playing i i wouldn't imagine that she's going full tour next year uh, but maybe we see at a few more events she hasn't even played a disc golf pro tour elite event she played worlds, which was her first major and then throw pink, which is of course an eight tier but major like uh, she's played a few silvers. Uh, but here's a fun stat is uh, she finished in 10th place here at throw pink. Uh, she's the first FBO player to finish top 10 at either majors or throw pink without a disc golf pro tour elite uh, appearance prior since Kristen Tatar did it at 2019 worlds. Mm. Um, and then lastly, I want to say Katrina Allen uh, it, I, I want to mention it because it's something that's still going on. Uh, she finished twentieth, uh, so another you know not great by her standards finish, but it is her first top twenty since uh, coming back from Europe. So you could ar- uh, argue that it's her best finish since she's kind of been in this slump. Um, and then one more name I want to mention back on the NPO side, I skipped over it, but it's Sullivan Tipton. Um, he made back to back to back lead cards. Uh, he didn't even finish top 30 at a major before this event. He finished 12th overall. Uh, so, very cool to see him play so well. His fore, uh, forehand, excuse me, was buttery great uh, all weekend, and he was a ton of fun to watch. So, it would be exciting to see what he can do. And he had an ace. Oh, yeah, mm. yeah, on major ace. Seven.
3: Almost had two aces. Yeah. The last round hit the basket on the top mm-hmm. of it on 17. I mean, on 17, insane. okay, right. Insane.
0: Yeah, Cole Riddell yeah. and gets a uh, whole 17, which we'll yep. mention him later, but uh, he got an ace as well. So cool. Exactly. So that's
2: right. Um, DGN uh, had some new commentators in the booth. Juliana, where we've become pretty familiar with. Over One of the, the best. Yeah. Whether it's post or live. Great. Fantastic insight. We love it. And now... Paul Macbeth's cry for Ken Climo to be more involved in the sport. Remember last year, wow. uh, one of our interviews. I just like to see more of it. Mm-hmm. Well, there's Ken. He's in the booth, and he barely—you could barely hear him. <laughs> and round round one specifically, we don't need to talk a lot about this because <laughs> if you go, <laughs> if you go to our first episodes, Nick specifically me. I haven't learned a lot, <laughs> but specifically me, I was just cutting people off a hundred times worse than I do now. Um, and so some level I related and felt a little bit bad for Philo where I was like, man, he's just excited. He's just excited. Um, but it took away from the cool you gotta be experience. You to put that excitement Ken. to the side, though. You know what I mean? Let's put you in the booth with Ken. <laughs>
3: I, I think I would do a much better job with it, to be honest. Than Philo. Yeah. That's if, a if, hot take. If you if you gave me if you gave me a hundred <laughs> rounds of disc golf to practice commentary and then put me next to Ken climo in the booth or anyone Has of that Philo caliber,
0: had hundred rounds of disc golf commentary. I
3: mean, okay, fifty rounds, I would say at least. He's probably had that. Yeah, that's I probably mean, closer. Another. We're talking about this is at this point. I guess he's on. He's this on is what, Philo's. Three? Yeah, this is Philo's like full time yeah. job at this point. He doesn't compete every single week, week in and week out.
2: Yeah, I just have a different take. You're right, Nick. I like get that it. he you're, could you're giving, be better, you're but giving like
3: the benefit of the doubt. <laughs>
2: for know, once, to you can bring the hot yeah, take. You're giving
3: the benefit of the doubt to the commentator. I guess.
2: No, because Ken's the commentator too. I'm saying that was a new scenario for them, and I think he was amped up. I do yeah. think it wasn't he a. He got great better product. throughout the event. I'm being clear. I don't think it was a great product, and it. I think it probably was addressed. And it is fixed for the most part. Yeah, people loved having Ken in there. Jam, 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 jam. Yeah, jam, look, we don't. Jam, jam.
3: I, I'll say this in disc golf, and name me another sport besides UFC that does it. But where do we have three commentators? In uh, any baseball, other sport, does basketball.
0: baseball have three? Yeah, baseball? ESPN, notably is, on Sunday night. Baseball, not, not your me, is usually two. Like uh, when I Red listen Sox, to the Sox. Uh, well, yeah, your local game. Your local games are usually two. Although the Red Sox did three for a while, but this year mm-hmm. they've been mostly two. Or I think fully two, but ESPN, Saturday Night Baseball generally does three in the booth. NBA very often does three in the booth. So I I, I usually see two 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 with
3: then they have a special on site reporter.
0: Yeah, yeah, of course. I'm not here to defend the three in the booth, but it is something that does happen. If you did three, we're
2: not professionals at this either. Listen how we talk over each other. But if you have three, you need to have designated like pretty clearly, like either spoke, don't speak unless spoken to whether that's Philo or whoever else, or like literally let Ken talk first. Or they said, maybe they said, do your normal thing, Philo and Ian, and then like let Ken chime in. I don't know how they talked about it, but it didn't go well the first round. Um, I did see Philo after, and he was definitely down. And I was just like, I didn't even say anything about it, but I was just like, hey man, you know, like good seeing you out here, that kind of a thing. All I want to say is real people, doing their jobs and like i see on the internet like fire him and i'm like come on like i have no, a bad i, I have, a bad have a bad night you can have a bad day
3: at your job like if i have it a bad was day at my job quick. something bad happens if <laughs> yeah. philo has a bad day at his job he gets torched by the online people like i'm not trying to sit here and torch yeah. philo don't get me wrong but i do you gotta take criticism you gotta take constructive criticism which i think he did do like i said it did get better but there's kind of, I think three commentators is too much. I think Ian and Philo would make a great post-production team to do commentary. Like Ian has done with Central Coast well, for, years on, for yeah. years on years on years with Ian doing Central Coast disc golf. Incredible post-round production. Besides for telling what the disc is actually, like what they're throwing actually is, Ian, I think, does an incredible job with post-round commentary. Now, I think for the live commentary watching golf or disc golf speaks for itself. You don't have to talk over the players playing the whole time. Like I like just watching. I could sit there and watch the old Marty McFly McFly. So high videos without any commentary and just enjoy listening. What's going on. I don't have to have commentary 24 seven. This is me personally. I'm just saying it for like what I enjoy, but just, you know, if a player is stepping up to the putt, I don't need to know exactly that it's 48 feet. I don't need to know that this is for birdie. I don't need to know all these different things. It's just let the player go up there, take the putt, and then talk about it afterwards or talk about it as he's walking up to the putt. I think we just the commentators feel like they have to talk 24/7 That they think Hilarious that doing Nick. that is like us getting I would like to try this that. just
2: to see how we do cuz I guarantee again yeah. we would talk more than we need to look at our show we're we're done 20 minutes no 40 minutes like it's just the way it goes yeah. but but it's funny you say that because I was watching back DGN cuz I was in person down there mm-hmm. and I was watching it back uh, especially whole 18 cuz I saw it in person I wanted to see it filmed so I was watching 18 when Holland threw her shot And it was like, I was watching through the whole thing to like post round, like interview, um, Holland and all that. And it was funny because it got quiet for a little bit and it was like cool, like ambient celebratory, like stuff happening. And literally it was nice. And then, um, Charlie comes on and he goes, so, sorry about the technical difficulties we haven't been able to talk for a while and i'm like, it's like thank god i'm like yeah. that was actually a Stay great break like yeah. yeah like you didn't yeah. even have to say sorry like yeah. just
3: come back and start talking that's why watching disc golf live if you have the
2: chance to go to a big event and that's not a so that's incredible. not a shot at charlie no no no, no, no. I, I get what you're saying
3: but like that's why like when i i remember kind of being at the world championships last year and everyone was dead silent when paul's putting on hole 17 there's just silence and then paul makes the putt And the whole place just erupts. And it's awesome. It's such a great experience that, like, I want to feel that same thing sitting from the comfort of my own home and just know that, like, hey, like, I know what this is for. If I've been following along the whole time, I know what the player is putting for. I can kind of tell where circle one is, so I can tell if they're five to 10 to 15 feet outside of that. I don't need the Bushnell marker saying i'm 48 feet away i don't need all that and i don't need it talked about for five minutes while the player is actually throwing so like i think a lot of people in the chat i know i'm getting a little riled up about this but like (laughs) less is more
2: ultimately going going back to that tech issue real quick when it popped back on it cracked me up and again this is not a shot at charlie because i probably would have done the same thing but he's like sorry about that. What you just saw. And I'm like, we know what we just saw. Like, this isn't radio, you know? So like, I I agree. Less is more. And I think we've gotten so much better.
0: Yeah. I I do agree with both of you. What I do want to say is I, I would actually prefer more talking than golf has, um, but I, I agree that on the spectrum of you know more talking to less talking, I want to be closer to golf. I just wanted to leave that, that. I want to like they, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I said, I bring a vote to kick Evan off the
3: show. Just you said, call be Kevin." No, I said I want to
4: bring a vote to kick Evan off the show. Oh, just because okay. you're disagreeing with me. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm just that's kidding. every
1: episode, totally man, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
4: Evan, Evans are a certified disagreeer. I think that's why he, he brings the stats and he brings devil's advocate. It's funny because Evan and
3: I more talk. so Evan and I more so agree during our group we, chats. Like we agree, I think ninety-nine percent of the time. <laughs> it's just fun to go at each other on yeah. the show.
0: And for the record, I I would probably say like ninety to ninety-five percent agree with you, uh your both of your takes on this. Thanks. About the amount of talking.
2: Yeah, yeah. it's it's just again, I, I feel somewhat relatable. So I'm like, man, it's hard to be like but I always say what I think. So I, so I do and, think everyone, I do think um
3: Everyone's talking about I, and I didn't get to like I I didn't watch all four rounds start to finish it for FTO and MPO. And so everyone is saying Zoe was being nice about a terrible henna putt, and JK told it like it is. And so this I, is this has exactly been of, what this was. This has been yeah. one of my issues with Zoe as a commentator. She's way too colorful and butterflies and rainbows of like, don't worry everything. They all try to make a storyline from hole two on. It's like Evelina misses putt. Oh my god, the tournament's over. It's like, no, there's still fifty. 50- seven more holes left of the tournament like i she's okay
2: i think they just no. Try to it starts at much. the all-star event i remember it's yeah. always it's like it literally starts <laughs> there they're like their season is over yeah, their season yeah exactly <laughs> and i'm like kona, all-star doesn't kona even matter the
3: all-star event that <laughs> kona wins waco and then you know it's just like we, we create uh, okay. something out of it the whole time
2: I, i'm yeah i'm being serious they, i don't want that job it's just as well i'll end it I with this either. i'll
3: end it with this i loved love to in the booth i'm actually i think that was one of the coolest things that UECGC did same thing with juliana corbett but having ken Climo in the booth who i i want to sit down i would love ken climb to come on this podcast i'd love to actually dissect his brain when it comes to everything disc golf because i think that guy is so knowledgeable has a great speaking voice and would be a benefit to any commentary team out there. I think it would be incredible. Same thing with Juliana Corver; They have so much knowledge of the sport from a time that I, you know, barely existed in my own life. I was like four, five, six years old when they're kind of at the height of their careers. And then now where I'm at in the sport at 29 years old, it's being able to see those people. It's like when Bill Russell would go to Celtics games and give his knowledge about things. It's just OG players like that. You love to have them. So I was, I was ecstatic when they said that. Ken Climo is going to be in the booth.
0: <laughs> yeah, I want to give two positive notes. To uh, I mean, I, I don't want to like not give good praise to everyone else, but I do think Ken Climo and Juliana Corver were fantastic this weekend. Uh, Ken Climo had one where uh, there was a spit out kind of uh, on a putt. And, you know, I think Ian and Philo were initially like, ah, oh, like that stinks, like not necessarily blaming the basket, but just like, ah, oh, we feel like that should have gone in. And then Ken was like, well, actually what happened is the putter flipped upside down, so it had like the opposite spin and it was oh, like yeah, countering was out. And, cool. and you're just like, whoa, like this dude knows disc golf. Like <laughs> we yeah. know he's a, uh, yeah. uh, what, 17, 18 time major winner. I should have that number memorized. Uh, I, think those it's, I think
4: it's seven, uh, 17. 17. 17,
0: correct. Okay.
4: Um, Stabando. It,
0: it, yeah, thanks. Thanks, guys. You guys are the best uh, stack ass on <laughs> the show. Uh, <laughs> but, like, you know, he has won that many majors, but then, like, you just like almost don't actually realize how much he knows. And so, when you actually get to hear him talk about it, it's very cool. And then, Juliana, when you mentioned the one about Henna putt, she was like, 50 feet out i think it was hole 14 it was the downhill one with the hay bales mm-hmm. hazards mm-hmm. uh she uh didn't really lay it up she was kind of even like a soft bid and she does what i always do and i hate when i do it's like i don't think about how it's going to land and then it just like the putt kind of softens out hits on its side and then just rolls a mile mm-hmm. and you're like oh, you didn't actually plan on how to have that land you just kind of putted, it and then it was so soft it just you know out and fell on the side and do explained to explain exactly what's going through and she said hey if this was a better putter you wouldn't really blame her for running that but she's got to know what her skills are and that she should have laid that up and was very blunt with it and knowing what type of you know game someone has uh and then the last thing i want to say is it's more of just like a sad moment i want to pour one out to ian anderson uh, if you've been watching him for However long he's been doing Central Coast, it's been a while now. He always would tell the patent, penance, patent pending story whenever oh, someone no, would do a patent yeah. pending on how it was between Ken Climo and Barry Schultz of who invented it. Yeah. And they Ken, didn't know. So they said it was patent pending. And Ken Ian asked Ken <laughs> live on it. And Ken just like, yeah, I don't know. It was called that when I got in the sport.
3: Yeah. and Ian's He's like, like, I have no oh. idea why I'm at all affiliated with the patent pending.
0: <laughs> I just like, I wanted to go a hoggy Ian because I'm like, man. Like Ian's done a lot of like yeah. great things and commentary throughout his career, but like, that's a big one for him. And I felt so bad. I mean, it doesn't take away the, I don't know. A story is what a story. Uh, and Ian was telling it from what he thought was true, but it, oh, it's sad. I uh, shout out to you, Ian. I hope you're doing okay. After hearing that. Yes, this is what we need. This is
2: your music to go away to No. Yeah. Um, first of all, I was down there and the love I kept getting for the show was awesome. People are like, you had me cracking up with this intro. It's a classic, like people loved it. (laughs) It's like, you just felt so inspired,
3: like, look. I feel like I'm about to go. Like I, I feel like I'm in Saving Private Ryan right now. Like we're just some massive things about to happen. And anyway, so here's here's our nicknames. This. Let's let's cut out nicknames there in commentary. We don't need to call him Champ, 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 Champ. If Michael Jordan goes into the booth, no one calls him Man, Air Jordan. That's easy for you to <laughs>
0: say when your nickname is literally Nick Carl. Like well, that's, okay, so, it's, it's yeah, I, I understand they that. But and, like it um,
3: was a little forced. And so, so really at that point, forced. like if Michael Jordan goes into the booth, I, it's I'm not. They're not saying it. like, Yo, what's up,
4: Air? What's up, Air? All right, no, they're saying it's like going on, Michael. It's like here is we talk all the time. It, it like it like me be saying like right, Evan, right, Evan. Like you can just say right, right, okay. instead of champ. Right. So,
2: do you guys remember the interview we did? By the way, that was epic music to introduce this. Do you remember that we did the interview with John Kirkland? Yes, I. Got in a round of disc golf with John Kirkland, one of the original frisbee throwers and disc golfers. In fact, the winner of the first ever Frisbee World Championships with disc golf baskets. He is that guy. Like, I saw him down there and I said, We have to get in a round. Me and my two boys went and played with him. He's in his 70s. Um, I'm pretty sure I want to say 77. If he's listening to the show, he's probably cracking up. Now going to call me out and be like, no. What a great, fantastic, energetic guy. And he's out there disc golfing at that age and keeping up with me, which you could say is not impressive, but like, because I'm not that impressive. But like, I'm like, man, this guy is good. You could tell he's been, well, yeah, he's been playing for a long time. Like it doesn't just leave you. So that was really, 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 really cool and special. I actually grabbed a few yeah. social media clips where he was telling some stories of things. Heck yeah. We'll post them up and whatnot, but that was really cool. So very other cool. thing I saw, go ahead, go ahead, Evan. You had something? No, no I just said okay. very cool. Yeah, it was very cool. Uh, the Frizz Wiz. I'm going back to nicknames. <laughs> hey, if he was next yeah. to me, hey, Frizz Wiz constantly. Yeah. Imagine just a whole <laughs>
3: show being on your stuff Frizz whiz. Like, That's what i no,
2: Yeah. Nick Carl.
3: How, how you doing, Nick yeah. Carl?
2: What's well, so, so Carl? it's actually like Good. my kids constantly like, "Mom, Mom, I have something to tell you." Mom, Mom, I had this. Mom, and like constantly, <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, "You don't have to say Mom every it's time." Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yes. okay, so something else I saw in person. First of all, I told you about the the viewing experience at Whole Seven. Very cool. The lounge, the Zuka Lounge, elevated <laughs> on a stage. That was
0: very cool, Evan. I'm very jealous. It was so cool. Like I don't know exactly. how to say hey, the lounge. I already <clears throat> I already gave praise to Whole Seven. I th- I, I want to give more praise because. Some people don't love it. I get like it, it is something you have to get over in like disc golf is like, Hey, we sometimes have things that aren't natural. We're throwing through a, you know, a a man-made bamboo triple Mando. (laughs) The shots that come out of that are so much fun to watch. Like it's such an easy hole. That's not easy. And it's, It's just like, that's what you want. Hole seven, like it's the pressure of getting a birdie. And of course there's the, you know, yeah, you, you miss the Mando. You might not get a par. Like there's all that. Um, But it's, to me, it's kind of a birdie or bogey uh, uh, score, but like it's whole seven. So it's like kind of early on in the round still, but it's just a fun shot for a ton of people to yes sit there's so many people there when you're watching on tv and just watch cool shots it's and not whole eight at maple guy.
2: hill but it's it's, it's another different. one of those like no. entertaining shots to sit and watch it's it's pretty yeah satis- I, satisfaction would, like is high just watching I would the absolutely, come
0: out. yeah i'd absolutely be there for an hour or two or a oh, whole day even whole day. if i was down there all oh, four, four days, days i'd be yep. on there Friday, all day. All I did seven. that. That's just where I'd be. I yep. did that. And That's it was
2: sick. fantastic. So shout out to them. They're going to do more with that even and make it bigger and better and continue to do that. But, um, but one of the things I noticed because I sat there for a whole day, I said, let's do whole 14 for like a day. Let's do whole seven for a day. Let's watch all the cards for one day. Like that kind of thing, follow the cards, but whole seven, you get to see the progression of the cards, like from first card mm-hmm. all the way to lead card. And something that stood out to me, as you might expect, is the quality of player as it progresses. The lead card
3: makes three out of four of the shots. <laughs> the first card makes zero out of four of the uh, shots. With
2: MPO, I want to be clear, it's not as drastic. Yeah. It, I mean, it's there, but it's not as drastic as you're going. Because, like, I would still see the lead card miss, too, and they're like, what? But typically, as you get up to the final three or four cards, most of them are throwing it through, or at least not missing the Mando. They might hit it, but they're not missing it. Um, And I hate to make this conversation take this turn, but I watched FPO and we know this, but it's significantly more drastic, like way more drastic. And what really stood out to me, and this is kind of where I'm going with this for a little bit of this conversation, is Katrina Allen was very far down the list. Right. As far as where she was going into whatever day it was, three or four, you're watching the players throw. And then Katrina gets up and you just watch and I hate to, I don't, I'm not saying any names, but the quality of player that she was with during those rounds and she throws her shot and everyone's like, Whoa, you've played with her, Nick. I've been on a card with her. I've Mm -hmm. filmed her. It's an athletic throw. There's nothing like chancy or like, I don't know what I'm doing about it. It's very athletic. It's direct. She's struggling with some things right now, but like the athletic performance that she brings is not struggling. Mm -hmm. So it literally stood out like way above everyone on her card. As you progress up again, the next card is kind of like, oh, like they're kind of hoping and fluffing it through seven. Again, I'm not degrading any of the players here. I'm just saying my experience. And as you continue up the chain, it starts to really pick up as you get closer to the top two cards. And that's what we'd expect. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, you start seeing a lot of this athletic performance. Boom, boom, boom. And again, every now and then you'd see this FPO player mixed in a group that you felt like, man, her athleticism, you can just see it, is way different than the card she's playing with. And I I people I didn't even recognize. And I'm like, man, if they figure out their putt or they figure out their accuracy, they're gonna be really good. And so I guess where this conversation is going, just seeing that in person, watching the cards play through, because they don't do that on DGN for you. You don't watch card one through card 18 yeah. or whatever. This started going to my mind. And this is obvious, but let's bring the conversation to tour cards. Okay, so tour cards are a thing right now, but they aren't fully matured into what they will become. Mm-hmm. Players at the bottom of the standings, do you think it's going to be in the next year, two years, three years? Players at the bottom of the standings are eventually just going to be knocked off the tour, and players that are fighting to get on tour are going to take that spot. Like, is that next year?
3: No. Cause you gotta, you gotta spend money for the tour cards. And I think the pro tour still right now values that money
2: that they spend on the tour card. So I think realistically, I'm not could- saying I'm saying fill their spot.
0: No, they, yeah, they're, they're pretty much have sold out of tour card passes, right? That's like what they've I done think. a good job with it. Like, I, I mean, maybe they could grow FPO to more, but then that brings in the conversation of like splitting courses and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like having them all, you know, having a total so of like bring it over to, to forty. I yeah. think they're about maxed out. <laughs> Uh, and so, so, yeah, I
2: like Matt, the players. You're
0: on the right track. Is yeah, I, the I players at the bottom,
2: the players on the bottom of rankings. Did I say two years? Yeah. Like, I feel like these qualifying events that Jeff brought up a few weeks ago to get on tour, they're not just going to be like, okay, everyone that qualifies, like, we don't, we just create new spots for you. I think it's going to be <laughs> players going into the next year. It's like, you weren't good enough to earn it. You have to yeah. go back and win a qualifying event. To get back in, and those who did win are taking your spot. Like, mm-hmm. how how soon do you think? You said not too soon, but Evan, I, I'm on board with like not this year, but with these qualifying events I, coming in place, I'm saying next year. There's going to be players who aren't allowed to yeah. tour. I, that I guess used we'll have, have a better idea we'll next year, more. three years. Yeah, I was
3: going to say I would say three years, three years. Like not obviously not next season. I would say not the season after that, the next one. So I would say three seasons from now. Is when we would potentially see that
0: yeah and it has to be filled up a, like a little bit more i think like the that 60 to 80 spot i think right now when you look at it you're like okay those are good players but they not might not be committing the whole season like people who are outside of the top 80 like i go to kale visca right now he's in 91st obviously fantastic player but not touring he's playing some mp40 events he has his own course he has his own event he's not on tour week in a week out so when we start seeing, you know, players who are still committed to touring, being the ones that are dropping to 91st, that's when this comes in. Mm-hmm. And I think that is about two to three years. But I, I'll go one name is Paul Ulibarri. Like after the Beaver State fling, he was sitting in 89th place uh, in the discal Pro Tour standings. So uh, by that point, he wouldn't have had a tour card. Now there's a chance he still could have gotten a tour card because you know, they have an exemptions based on, you know, injury and other factors. Um, and then I think they also might push it down to max it out. I'm not sure exactly how that all goes down. Uh, but there was still a chance he might not have earned it. Now he completely turned it around. He's playing in the tour championship in a couple of days. Uh, so he's not this case, uh, but like a player of his caliber, like one bad season and you could be off the tour and now looking outside in you might still be following the tour to do these tour uh qualification events you might still be playing it enough because you know they don't fill and they're they're going to um uh just general registration like there's still the chance for that but it's gonna be a lot tougher
2: it, i agree and so i don't know i'm just looking down the list here there's a lot of names you don't even recognize once you get over 90 or 100 players you're starting who to are right. tour
3: card
4: Remember? Well, I don't know if they're tour card
2: yeah, holders or
0: not. I
3: don't. I don't know how you
0: would tell who's a tour. Card I, I'm not sure not. either.
4: I think it's top eighty, right?
0: Yeah. Uh, for next year, it's top eighty. I, I don't know what FPO is. I well, we, so here you Stan go, Amanda. We also have the list because we calculate things off of it. So I could so pull is it, it. Chandler, but I don't Chandler don't Fry is age.
2: 80th, but like a player of his caliber, uh, this is again. This sounds mean. This isn't about you Chandler right now, Chandler. Fry. But like, but for instance, like that's actually surprising. Yeah, yeah. But my my point is like, for instance, there's another player that's up and coming and wants to be on the tour. And he's able to earn his spot. And there was some criteria not met. Chandler Fry leaves the tour. Like, I'm saying we're getting to a point where don't we want the cream to rise to the top? And we're eventually going to have to do that. It's going to eventually have to happen. And I think FPO is going to be a little longer. But MPO is getting close to ready. Because there are players right now that are on tour because they just want to be on tour. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying that's eventually going to change.
0: Yeah, there's a few like Conor O'Reilly in '78. You mentioned um, Chandler Fry. In I know. 80. I saw I Conor. Look at Jake Wolf in '73. Um, those yep. players were playing a lot of events, and they're good players, um, and they're worthy of playing on tour. So, like, the, my point being is the bottom of the '80 has plenty of players who are going to play every week, who are good players who just maybe didn't have the best season or are at that level. But if there
2: are better players out there and i'm not saying how that criteria is going to be dis- determined yet but they should be on tour over lesser players so oh sure yeah yeah and so eventually that's going to happen where players that we're saying right now like even what you just said right like those players eventually are not going to be the best and they're going to be outplayed
0: yeah yeah. i will say the the one tricky thing though is uh pl- like you, you're talking about better players i i'll argue i think that's a little bit further i think uh from the uh, pool of players who are going to be generally touring. Maybe they don't hit all events, but let's say they hit 60 plus events in the tour. Um, like I just, I'm trying to think of some names like Grady shoe might be one like him and him and page shoe are touring, but they're taking weeks off, but they're also we're splitting events that are playing. Maybe there's someone who's just mm-hmm. still in high school or trying to do college and they're only going to commit to like, five to six events in a year they might not be tour card level even though they might be a better player than the bottom end of the tour card does that make sense
2: absolutely mm-hmm. and it imagine the day where the tour is and nick it'd be crazy but like the bottom of the barrels, like 1040 rated and like top of the barrel's 1050
3: rated yeah i think that's a pretty far far stretch three years
1: <laughs> yeah it's I progressed it's progressed pretty 25 it's, for that it has yeah, progressed a lot years. and
2: maybe i'm saying in my year no it's progressed more than that and even my years of for playing what? disc golf. i
0: don't the bottom being 1040. i think it's like when, better like, than simon lazada this is sport
2: saying. is rapidly
0: increasing I and yeah, I'm, is i am mean there,
2: eight players in the top <clears throat> 1040 and above right now well you guys know there's rating inflation all i'm trying to say is there's going <laughs> to be a point where the condense i'm trying to condense it to say like the quality of player is going to be very significantly compact. I agree. It's not going to be as yes, strong. Right. I, I, mean, I, I think, think,
3: realistic, I think the point, realistically, I think the rating be, messed us up. I think realistically, it would yes. be a thousand and above. Is thousand? Maybe higher. I yeah. think Parker, it's what already was, above 1,000. What was Parker when he won DDO? Probably oh, times was, 14. 14? 10, 14, 10, 15
2: yeah. Yeah, okay, it's so well 10. 10 I'm saying. One yeah, that's what I'm saying. saying. So 10, I'm saying 10 it's gonna think be 10.20. Yeah. I I said 10.30. Yeah. <laughs> Who gets 10.40? That's going once. I, I think
4: it's. I think no, it'll I, be like kind of like like out right. when when like you know you're investing. Your kids are investing time into disc golf. I think that's when it's gonna be. I think the kids that want to be a disc golfer now when they're 10 years old. And they just need to get 10 years older. And then that's really just going to kind of happen.
0: kind of already happened. Just not at the, the at the scale total players. How level. many, yeah.
2: how many local players are we having now in your areas? Everyone that's listening that used to be scarce. Oh, there's 1000 rated player in my state. Like I can speak for Massachusetts. There's a lot more than that now. And all I'm trying to say is they're not even on tour. Most of them. Mm-hmm. And it's like, this is happening everywhere. The quality of local is increased. There's going to be out of those, the few that like make it through the local to the regional and there are the thousand tens. And then they're like, I want to get on tour and you got to get a little bit better. And it's like that skill that we're going to watch in these events in the future, whatever year that is, is going to be incredible. Like I will not see to this point, going back to my story of sitting at hole seven, I won't see as drastic of a difference. It's going to come down to like, I missed two putts in that around or that event. And I lost Like, it's going to be extremely high, like, from card 1 to card 15 or whatever it is. So, it's going to be crazy.
4: Yeah, and and because disc golf's a lot easier to not lose as much strokes in my opinion as as like golf. So I think it'll be a lot tighter once that once everyone gets up From It's gonna be first like super, place super, yeah. super tight. First we're,
2: place to seventy second place is like three strokes. I,
1: I don't know <laughs> so about you that.
0: you go back but, to seven rounds. Seven rounds. Seven rounds yeah seven, seven sick. Rounds. But yeah. I think no
3: matter what, we're gonna see that I mean inflation of the young crowd get into the sport because people can finally realize that you you can make a living off of disc golf. Yes, As a professional player, you can. If you get a good contract, you're a good player, you get some wins, you can make a comfortable living off of disc golf. Next week, they're about to give someone $40,000 for throwing a disc for four days. $10,000 a day 40 to throw thousand a disc. Okay. That's pretty incredible. Go that's practice,
2: like, Nick. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's like...
3: No. Um, so anyways, uh, but like that's why we're talking about a lot of these kids who are coming like, Matt, you got all your kids into disc golf when yeah. they were born. They're yeah. literally throwing mini since they were this kids is because my point. It's, you it's, now know that your kids have a legitimate future in a sport where they could make money. 10, 10 15 years ago, that wasn't the case. You had a select few people. We are going out and do it. I mean, look at, we were talking to Will Shushik last week. He was driving 60,000 plus miles a year with his car and going out, and he was probably not making more than 60 grand for the whole year. And now we have players, Kristen Tatar, back-to-back years, $100,000. She made the most money ever in PDGA history. And that and number just, is only going to,
0: what's that? Adjust PDGA earnings. Like just PDGA earnings, that's what I mean. Yeah. Or, or disc yeah. bonuses or literally anything else. Like our yeah. other her base
3: sponsors. salary is what, $125,000 a year? So take on the other hundred thousand dollars that she made off career earnings and then disc sales. That I sounds mean, nice. Yeah. And Ever- she's made over three or four hundred thousand dollars this year just throwing a disc around. That was not for it's the incredible. only player That's that was incredible. doing that back in twenty fifteen was Paul. There weren't other players that were making that kind of money.
2: I think she's very standout as a disc golfer in general. Her skill level is very high. And so I preface all that like saying that. But I think it was even Ella in in an interview that I did with Ella back in the day. Like, do you think you're pretty smart coming into the sport like now, like seeing the opportunity? She's like, oh, yeah, like I see a good opportunity. The field isn't that strong. Mm -hmm. Like literally, I'm paraphrasing, but out of her mouth. Yeah. I think the FPO field has a lot of developing to do, but we've seen drastic increases. So but this isn't to take anything away, but we're going to see a lot more of Kristen's or maybe that's excessive. We're going to see a lot more of the players in the top 10. The whole field will be that, and it'll be just amazing.
3: I think we're going to see a lot more Holland Hanley's get into the sport. Holland Hanley came from a sports background of just, I think, powerlifting and other, like she was an athlete before she came into the sport of disc golf and then started training like she did back with her other sports and has quickly risen to the top. I mean, she lost in a playoff at DDO. She just won throw pink. I mean, we're going to see players like that who Kristen makes more than a lot of WNBA players make. And WNBA players are playing, they're dribbling a basketball since the age of three years old. And she's making more than a lot of them. You're going to see players like that to where if their career fails somewhere else, they'll get into disc golf. And if they have the work ethic that it takes, they will surpass so many of the females that look at this stroke discrepancy from first place to even some of the most notable names. The chat was saying it earlier, Holly Finley was 44 strokes. Off of first place this last weekend and beat Maria Oliva. Maria Oliva has a silver series win at the Lake Marshall Open, or excuse me, the Jackson. If the anybody's World curious, one, Maria World Oliva,
2: World. Oliva was my pop pick. <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> we can't forget about those. <laughs> no, we can't. And,
0: and also, we're not That's that far from like FBO having like five players get in the field. Like I'm pretty sure Paige Pierce got a top five at his Pro Tour event while well, DNFing. Like, right. I, and it's it's just to say like we think of the disc golf pro tour as being like this new era, maybe some newer fans are like, it's, it's been around forever. Like it may feel like that, but it just, we've come a long way just since 2016, which is obviously a yes, long way from long. plenty of other years before. So I, it's, it's incredible to see this growth. And I think FPO has been going just as fast, maybe even faster than NPO, but it is just a little bit behind. Get your daughters in the sport. That's,
4: the, that's what I'll <laughs> say. Get your dollars in the sport and we'll see where it goes.
2: All right um that was fun conversation so let's move into Hot, um, lock and drop yes right before actually right before that few minutes does player of the year conversation change in i don't want to say anyway but in a significant way after this last weekend's performance and I guess MVP uh, Open. Like, is there any significant like? Ooh, that was a big deal. I mean, Isaac took third at a major. Yeah, I,
0: I'll start. Like, I think. Well, first FPO, I don't think changed. Of course, you could say you know, throw a pink being only an A tier shouldn't true. change it. I disagree. Um, but you know, change. Kristen Tatar is so far ahead that it didn't change. Uh, in FPO. I I think I said this to you guys maybe a week or two ago, and I was talking to Gannon Burr in that room that you guys are all in. Uh. I I've, I've always been feeling since the world's win that Isaac Robinson is the player of the year, two majors, the first player to do that since 2019 and MPO, that's a huge accomplishment to win two majors in a single season. Uh, people like to mention his early season, not playing, you know, the super best. He had a lot of, you know, outside top 30 finishes to start the year until champions cup. Uh, but I still felt like it went to him, but uh, I felt like the public perception was going to lean heavily towards Calvin Heinberg. We even did a poll before worlds on stem Instagram when it was really just Calvin versus Gannon Burr. It was widely uh, Calvin. Like I think it was probably 85 to 90%. Uh, but of course, you know, Isaac won world sense that's going to change. But I think Isaac finishing third here, Calvin finished fifth, not far behind. I think it was even just a stroke. Uh, but Isaac finishing third here, I think is huge because it's another podium at a major. He now has three podiums at majors this year, with two of them being wins. Uh, so I think he would still have my nod, but I think the fan perception is going to lean a little bit more that way. Uh, I, I don't know if it's more than Calvin, but it's definitely, um, a fair amount where there's a really good discussion between the two.
2: So a little bit of shifting, uh, Intern Ben, how was it uh with your first ride with Calvin Heimberg as your pick? Like he does good. He seems to always be in contention, uh, but no win.
4: It, yeah, it was okay. He <laughs> was, was like okay. in twelve for a while and I was watching it and then like he, he was I think first or second day. And I was like, he's there, but yeah, it's like, it's crazy. But that is, I will say that is a great attribute to have for Calvin Heinberg. He's just, he's always there. He's always lingering. It's just about (laughs) if it's his day or not. And I, I mean, that, that is incredible. He's just
0: he's hasn't just been there. his day since April. <laughs> okay. I, I say that joke, but I do want to be clear. If anyone ever mentions that Calvin Heinberg hasn't won since April and that should affect his player of the year race, get out of here because it's a player of the year race. Yeah. Whatever he did in uh March at LVC matters the exact same yeah. as what's done at the end of the year. I this mean maybe there's more. Uh but yeah, I, you know, all the credits to Missy Gannon's finished in 2021, but Paige Pierce did deserve the player of the year that year, uh, but people voted for Missy because she won throw pink and tour championship back to back. So uh, if you favor a specific event more than others, that's fine. But a time of the year should not matter for player of the year race.
2: And there is still a PDGA player of the year and a disc golf pro tour player of the year, right? Correct. And we're, a stat Mando player, a stat of the year, yes. player of the year.
0: Yeah. So Do they people, nice anyone else check want to play? For getting of the year? The, uh stab Mando. Uh, you no, know, we're definitely the least, uh, prestigious and uh, okay. is there a
2: situation this year like last year there was a situation where the player that the pdga announced kind of upset people like are you kidding me is there a situation this year between the different point systems or people you say feel a that years way?
3: ago didn't katrina and Paige both win player of the year
2: yeah, that? yeah. but but who was yeah. it that won over uh Kristen last year. Didn't somebody win over Kristen? Uh, Paige Pierce won Player of the Year of the right. PJ
0: last year. That's what uh, I'm Kristen saying. Tucker won Statman to DGBT. Uh, the Disco Pro Tour uh, changed their... Let me pull it up real quick. I'm they just curious. So like, Is there anything player. that's that
2: close where it's like a storyline where we're like, oh, it's going to be between so and so and so and so? Or is it... No, it's like... Well, Kristen in SEO, it shouldn't be a question. It shouldn't be.
0: No. Yeah. I, no. The no, I'm not changed, saying for conversation.
2: Actually, I'm saying for yeah, point yeah. systems. like.
0: Uh, the pdga and the disc golf pro tour actually both changed their systems i mean both slightly uh the disc golf pro tour excuse my wobbly mic i don't have it secured as much but uh, the <laughs> disc golf pro tour is doing 50 percent media member vote and 50 percent tour card holder vote uh so they'll each vote and then wait it uh proportionally uh i don't have it pulled up with the pdga change to i'm almost positive they changed their system just a little bit of course after feedback from last year and what happened um so i i that's going to be more uh, performance based because they don't do a voting i don't believe so it'll be you know last year was you know kind of like a disc golf pro tour point style of course a different point structure but a similar type of deal which stat mando's player of the year is also the same where it's a you know algorithm based and not a vote
2: Okay, well, I, I'm not, like, super excited about Player of the Year, but it is a discussion to be had, and I think, for me, Isaac probably is leading, as kind of like you mentioned a little bit, I feel like, but I, I Calvin is so consistent, it's insane. Insane. So, um, all right, I think that takes us to our last segment here, um, which is to do the pop drop. In lock. It's already
4: been two hours? That was yeah. the fastest podcast I've ever been a part of. <laughs> well, Evan, you have to tell us <laughs> last oh, week, yeah. and Daniel, shout out to Daniel, joined in
3: on the phone last week for all this, I and we have wins. his points as well, right?
0: Nice. Yeah, sure, yeah, right? Sure. <laughs> yes, we got Daniels, yes, right, yes, good, good call. Yeah. Uh, no, I did not forget, uh, I can be forgetful, I did not forget this, Daniel, I got you. Uh, let's start with pop picks, because oh, uh, Daniel s- crushed these. Uh, Daniel picked Chris Clemens and Alexis Mandahano, who finished seventh mm. and, or sorry, ninth and seventh place respectively. Yep. Chris Clemens finishing ninth, uh, to be clear on that, uh, Chris Clemens averaged 29th on the season. That's 20 points. Alexis Mandahano finished, uh, rounding to 19. That's 12 points. So he got a total of 32 points between those. That's good. I'm going to jump ahead for pop specifically. He was the only one of us to be positive, uh, but let me wow. run it down real quick. Nick, you picked Steve Brinster and Katie Tati. For Steve Brinster, we agreed that his average would then be eighty. He ended up finishing eighty fifth, so you lost five points there. Uh, for Katie Tati, she finished twenty fifth. Her average was twenty third, so you lost just a few points. Uh, you finished at negative seven all rounding. Uh, Matt, you picked Nate Sexton and Maria Oliva. Both <laughs> those finished below just... their average. Nate Sexton finished seventy ninth. I should look it up. That might be his worst major finish of his career. Shout out, to yeah. Nate. I. I picked him next as a one. pop you pick too <laughs> like, what uh, yeah he averaged 41st yeah. on the year so you know he had a lot of uh, pop points Headroom, to get, headroom I not. thought so uh, so you lost 39 points there and he's uh, won that even event finished 35th, oh. and she averaged 18th on the season so you uh, in total lost 55 points that wasn't Ouch. the worst of us in pop <laughs> picks that wasn't the worst yeah I uh,
4: know who's the worst
0: so yeah it was bad. But I'll start with me because <laughs> I'm going in order every... by this I picked Brody Smith and Silva Saarinen. Uh Silva Sardin actually got me positive points. I was the only person besides Daniel to get a positive point person. Daniel got both. I only got one. Uh, she finished eighth. She was averaging 18th. That's 10 points. I picked Brody Smith, though, who finished 87th while averaging 40 seconds. So that's a lot of points I lost. Overall, I still lost 35 points. And then on to Ben. He picked Salad Schultz, as he called him. Uh, I guess that's a nickname. I don't know if don't Salad's know. short for finishing 94th. Uh, while averaging 40th, so he lost 54 points there. Page Shue also finished 35th while averaging 20th, so 15 points there for a total of 68 points I'm lost. That is the worst of so anyone else in pop. But the good news is, is it does not end there because we had lock picks. Oh. Uh, we'll go with you, Ben. You picked Calvin, <laughs> Calvin Heimberg and Haley King. <laughs> they both got top 10 finishes, but not on the podium. So five points each for a total of 10 points. Woo-hoo. I picked Ricky Wasaki and Kristen Tatar. Uh, Kristen got a second place finish, which is podium is 10 points. Ricky Wasaki missed the top 10, but was 11th. So that's zero points. I didn't get any negative. Uh he missed out on his top 10 streak at, uh, at USDGC. excuse me. seventh from a uh, in the last there.
1: hole.
0: He he has to qualify for USDGC next year, which yep. is wild. Because uh, he usually Ricky. doesn't have to. Oh, okay. Ricky Wysocki. yeah Yeah. Uh, uh, I got 10 points total. Matt, you picked Nicholas Antala and Missy Gannon. Both of them got top pick. 10 finishes, but outside the podium, so five points each. Total of 10. I feel like I'm going rapid fire. If I'm going too I fast, tell me No, really keep slow it down, going. You're killing but, it. Uh, I feel like I need to because there's a lot to get to. Yeah, you're killing uh, it. Nick, you, you picked Simon Lazat and Kristen Tatar. Both got podium, podium finishes, podiums. so 10 points each. That's 20 points total. That's the most yes. of anyone in locks. Specifically, <laughs> uh Daniel picked Gannon Burr. Oh no. And Kristen <laughs> Tatar. Ten points from uh Kristen Tatar. Uh, but twenty seventh place for Ganon Burr. That's Burr. the third worst uh reigning champ finish at USDGC history uh for the year after they win. Um twenty seventh is not all that bad, but you know, it's high. The expectations worst, for Gannon, yeah, I was about to say that's what's negative. The worst? Uh, it's actually Paul Macbeth in 2019 when he had that ankle injury. So yeah. it's tough on him because he could have DNF'd and he didn't. Uh, but he loses, Daniel loses five points from that pick. He overall <laughs> ends at five. Now going into the drop picks because there was a lot moving around here. Let's start with Daniel because he did so well elsewhere. He picked Isaac Robinson and Ella Hansen, who both got top five finishes. Uh, <laughs> Daniel, so I'll skip to the end. Mad, okay. uh, I even 17, 17 <laughs> okay. points lost. Uh, but that wasn't even the worst. Let's get to the worst. And that is Nick Carl. Oh, no. picked Aaron Gossage and your winner, Holland Handley. Aaron Gossage. Got I a picked Holland to passion. drop. You and picked so. Holland to drop. I did too, Nick. I did too. She uh, <laughs> won. Negative 20 <laughs> points. I wasn't going to tell her that tonight. Uh, the good Sorry. news for Matt, though, is he did pick Holland to drop. He lost six points there she has a good average. So you didn't actually lose all that much. But you picked Ezra Robinson, who finished 45th. So you got 28 points from him. So overall, you got 22. Well, let's talk about the big guns, me and Ben. Uh, <laughs> I picked Cole Rodolin and Katrina Allen. Cole wow. Rodolin, man, you just got something against TPA, right. yeah. I Whoa. <laughs> I did, but no, DGA, <laughs> yeah. love you and love the breakers. Uh, Trevor Cole Riddle. Riddleen, Shout out. uh finished <laughs> yeah, Trevor Harbold's tour series from 2021 <laughs> money or 2022. I forget which one. Whatever the ice uh, ones are. Yeah, whatever the ice ones are. Those ones are great. But Cole Rudall finished 76 while averaging 21st. So that's a lot of points for me. Katrina Allen finished 20th uh, while averaging 14th. Got points on both with a total of 61 points. While well, Ben picks Owen Scoggins and Evan Scott. Owen Scoggins finished 13th, uh, just a little bit worse than our average. So that's five points. And then Evan Scott finished 87th, which is uh, the worst of any drop. But funny enough, the same as Birdie Smith, which is my pop pick and better than Ben's uh, pop pick. Uh, <laughs> funny how that works, but you still got a lot yeah. of points. Uh, in total, you got 58 points. From, Wait, so I have a chance uh, to do good? you have a chance to do good uh and with that uh i will go over the total points if you listen fast enough you could add these up in last place we have matt graham with negative 23 in fourth we have me. nick carl yeah. with seven negative seven excuse me in third we have ben who is pretty much at even so there you go ben only barely negative <laughs> and comes down to me and Daniel, the uh goat at pop lock drop. I'm just kidding, I can't call myself that, or the guest picker. And the winner is Evan Kearns. Me again, uh, 36 uh, total points for me. Well, Daniel had 20. Man, Daniel, if you didn't pick two top five players as you drop, you probably would have won by a mile. So, uh, that was fun. Shout so out to Daniel. I, that I feel like fun. I've said enough, yeah. so I'm going to stop talking no, now. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah, good for you for doing all wow. of that. Wow.
2: I Gosh. mean, he did most of it. I, I collected the data for yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm kidding.
3: Evan, Evan yes, though, thanks, is, God. you know, for being a stat guy, he's pretty good at his knowledge. i picking the players. I, I think know, Evan has the most. Fair. I don't think because I know. He Evan runs simulations at night. All we'll at do it. Yeah. He, he does his homework.
0: Good for him. We're going to. i look at really basic info and make an assumption off of that. Yeah. So I think you guys need to get your. So not up,
2: fantasy by, disc uh, golf, not fantasy disc golf, but someone's going to beat us to it because they're listening now and they're a software developer app designer. No, Stop. Stop. No. Let's, no, can you make us an app? Somebody reach out where it's simple to input. Like, I know you could do this, Evan, too, but it's simple for us to input it in and like everyone could play against us. And it would be like, beat Evan Kearns. Like, that's the goal to beat Evan Kearns. Dude, pop, drop, lock. Like, it'd be cool. I don't know. Evan,
0: yeah. I mean, a really simple way would just make a Google form each week with a list of players. Like, that would be a simple, simple way to do it. You don't okay. have to make a whole app.
2: So, and then they would just.
0: Maybe pick their year. players or we can make an app too i'm not gonna okay I, i'm not gonna make an app i'm not making an app <laughs> i'll uh, take an app. but if someone wants to do more than look yeah. with you, i'm gonna take an eight hour and have to do like a you. google form or something all yeah. right yeah. and pull it in which would be cool yeah we'll, Evan, we'll, we'll figure
4: whenever out. you're feeling down and weary just remember you win these pop blocks are off so <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: next time we play around together and i uh actually i'm not going to spoil anything but Didn't come in last by myself. Well, it was Uh. cracking me
2: up because when I had to listen through for the pop drop and lock, um, yeah, Evan wakes up to get it for you, Evan, to get like the information for last week's episode. So I was listening through, Ben's. Ben cracked me up so much because he's just like ah, when Evan goes to bed at night, he just lays there. No matter
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. ah, I'm a pop log drop champion,
2: and it exactly it cracked me up so much. Oh, and no matter life. how bad his day was,
1: just,
0: ah. <laughs> that's funny. It was it, funny. I I appreciate the humor, but in actuality, uh, the amount I think about this is maybe like five minutes. But I will gladly. Whoop y'all for that amount of work.
4: Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, it's a good job. Yeah, you, you, Matt, you, you do the extra I'll work. You deserve it. Matt, you Thanks, forgot guys. about
2: one of the best things down at USDGC No, I didn't forget. There's no. a lot to be said. No,
3: well, I'm gonna tell you what you
2: forgot Okay, about. forgot to say. Nick and Macho pins were there live in person. This is what I'm saying. There's so much to talk yeah, about. Right. We could do a whole episode. But yes, live in person. Uh Did you shout, you out, shout out, shout out. Did you get us some? Because <laughs> if you didn't, I'm kind of ticked. No. For
3: my new bag here. that I'm
2: using, um, this guy named Mike, fan of the show, Shout I'm trying to find it here. Maybe I can't. I'll find his picture. Do do Somewhere in here.
0: <laughs> See, Nick, you could have been like me and pre-ordered it because I got mine actually coming on Friday. Wait,
1: does anyone so, else
4: notice Matt, oh, as Matt as his like dude <laughs> oh, like, do That's his like. That's like. I don't forget. What, I don't know what to call it, but that's his. Um, Hell yeah! Um, so this is this is
2: Mike. Uh, he picked up. He may be the first person, but he was the first person that came up to me and said, "Hey, look what I just got." So they are nice. available. I just got a shipping notification. Is it notification vain for me to well. have a Nick and Matcho pin when I? It's do. on my bag. No, I'll probably I give away. Cool. Like you, it away. You got a rep. Oh. I wear my. I mean, I wear my that's best Star Trek brand all
4: the time. That's true. It's just like, like whose
2: is that? That's my.
4: That's me. Yeah, it's me. It's just like you know, got a rep. Get, um, your own brand
2: i'll probably give it away if someone walks up to me and says hey can i have that pin I'll, I'll give it to you if you see me around but otherwise go on to the website disc golf pins and order them um that is a first run i'm not sure we'll do another one of those runs we'll see uh i have other ideas as well so dump and run um dump also run. i haven't watched Fight. it yet uh and maybe i shouldn't say anything but Dan's, are you still in the the chat Bodanza disco. Uh, Bodanza I'm not sure. I can I'll give him I'll look. give him 10 seconds to respond or else he's fired. No. Uh text he texted you. me, but at the same time, I want to make sure I don't shout out something here. So here we go. I'll, I'll just shout out. Never mind. Here we go. Ba- the backyard barbecue. He texted me and said it's going up. Uh he filmed. In the backyard, during the backyard barbecue, Cole Allen, and Gannon Burr, other players, Harry Chase Local, and then 35 other people, including Chris Clark, DiscGolf.Law, myself, Evan, Nick was, not was somewhere else. But, <laughs> but Bodanza DiscGolf made a video, and go check out his channel, DiscGolf content, multiple times a week, really high quality. He did this in the backyard if you want to see what happened. This is the text he just sent me, and this might come off as vain for him, but I think he's probably also pretty proud of this one. Says this is definitely a top five video I've ever made.
4: Yeah, sick.
2: That's literally what he does. He text everybody right.
4: that. Prob no, not at all. <laughs> um, obviously the Simon video was like his number one, but uh, so that's number
2: one he's ever made.
4: Okay. No, I I think it's because I think I think it's the story. I think. It, Have it, you it, seen it yet?
2: No, no. It's, apparently, no, it's, knowing it's knowing even, it might be released right now. So I so we're gonna go over and watch it.
4: Th- I think it's a great story to tell for him and and I'm not going to spoil it but he did really well so he, <laughs> you got oh, in, in the video okay which yeah, yeah.
0: world's too right like he filmed that is he going to post a video for that with uh oh, he already ben did he already did oh really yeah oh, He's been, i need to get on youtube that's yeah, on you gotta watch it. my bad he
4: already po- posted right, it like it. right away but yeah oh, it, what it, it's a good i okay, think it, cool. it i think it's a good video cuz it's a good story and it's it was a great event fun event and he got to play with cool <laughs> and so that always helps. um
2: well so i'm sending everybody there but it's not posted yet he did say that it is maybe uploading uh maybe i should have read the rest of the text <laughs> if it's live the <laughs> next time you guys are off the air watch it if you like it say something about it oh <laughs> well, i guess i haven't watched it yet. I maybe i already don't like said it something about so, it anyways go yeah. subscribe over Shout there out yeah it will be a pretty cool video i'd imagine not because it's my backyard but because it's probably pretty cool.
4: He's good at editing. Yeah. That's why. He's
0: a right. storyteller.
2: We just did a lot there, um, but we didn't do the picks. So do we want to do right. the picks?
0: I want to at least take like 60 seconds just to explain what's happened at this year's Tour Championship, if you okay. don't mind. Do it. And then, well, actually, let's do this first. Is I was going to say, uh, outline the picks to y'all um, about what we were thinking is uh, pretty much the cut line uh mpo uh, cuts to 12 fpo cuts to eight after two rounds of course there's advantages and all that just scores resetting and it's a you know final two rounds with that cut so our game was going to be or our picks was going to be pick someone who's in the cut or above the cut line who you think is going to drop and not make the finals for the final two rounds which would kind of be your drop um and then pick someone who's gonna who's outside the cut line who's gonna jump in um, it doesn't matter who wins overall unless we wanted to pick that too. I mean, we could do a third of that. I don't really know. I'm making this up on the spot. Uh, just to pick some people. So I sent you guys a link of, uh, you can see the stroke advantages there. Um, so did you send, us uh, did you I,
2: send an email or a text?
0: I, I did it in the, the, the oh. video stuff. Yeah. Uh, the caption thing. Oh. Yeah. Hold on a second. All right. So, what I wanted to say is uh, new this year to the tour championship. You've probably heard it already, is that there's going to be stroke advantages. Uh, So, based on your disc golf pro tour standings throughout the season, you get a stroke advantage into this tournament. Into this tournament, excuse me. Uh, It's somewhat similar to what you see at the PGA uh, championship. I don't know what they call that event, the FedEx Cup Finals. Uh, Yeah, excuse me there. Uh, but but it's a little bit different because you have the stroke advantages for uh, two rounds and then it cuts. Like I said, MPOs at twelve, FPOs at eight. Scores will reset and then they'll play the final two rounds with no advantage. Uh, just a normal stroke play tournament for two rounds to then choose the winner so even if you're leading by a hundred after the first round all that means is you make the cut and you move on um, it, it's kind of a hybrid between what the PGA uses and then what the pro tours used to use which was a, a you know scores by single round you make the cut and then it's a new round it's a fresh tournament so I I, I think there' will be a lot of thoughts on this but something it will do is create a lot of excitement for the final round so you have these stroke advantages they're not really advantages to win the tournament they're advantages to make the cut so if you think about Calvin Heim and kristen tatar who both are number one they both have high strict advantages they are almost guaranteed to make the cut like if they don't make the cut i think it'll be very very surprising and a huge headline throughout the weekend uh but they're not guaranteed anything past that so it's not like they get a free win at this tour championship because they were the number one of the point standings they just get the advantage of making the cut which i think is really fair and then also still creates the excitement so um just to go a little bit further before we make our picks, uh, for instance, Calvin Heinberg starts with a six-stroke advantage, although that is a six-stroke advantage over the bottom of the field, which is 32 total players. Uh, it's actually only a four-stroke advantage on the cut line, which is at 12. Uh, is this on me? Do I only have a certain <laughs> amount of time to talk? <laughs> uh so is just going I,
4: off of the stream deck today. I love it.
0: Yeah, one, one interesting thing I, I thought is maybe – uh in future years uh the stroke advantage will switch around so instead of a six stroke advantage calvin hybrid would have a four stroke (laughs) advantage and then the cut would be at zero and then if you're in let's say last place instead of a a zero stroke advantage you're plus two it's just a different way of looking at it. it all means the same um uh, I, I'll just run down the top four. Like Calvin Heiberg starts with a six stroke advantage. Isaac Robinson finished second five stroke advantage. And then Gannon Burr and Ricky Wasaki will start with a four stroke advantage and FPO Kristen Tatar will start with a five stroke advantage. Missy Gannon with a four stroke advantage and then Owen Scoggins and Holland Hanley with a three stroke advantage. Uh, so, uh, I, I feel like I've said enough there. Is there anything you guys are, are curious about that you want me to dive into, or are we good to make our picks?
3: No, I think that's a general consensus of it. Oops, forgot to make your phone up. Um. So <laughs> Nick's headphones to... were off. No, I was, saying, I was saying I had it like this. My my right ear just feels a little bit sore right now. Took a nap earlier, and I think I just yeah. slept on it weird. No, I literally got I home was from work me- and was like, I got an hour and a half to sleep before the Nick and Matt show. I'm taking a freaking nap. It was bad, but um. Yeah. Anyways, let's so do, do our like, picks.
2: Tell. Floor. Lead me I through this make- again.
0: I was going to make one caveat that okay. for someone above the cut line to finish below is we don't pick Katrina Allen cause she's just having a tough time. I think that's a likely pick, although maybe we want to include it cause maybe people think she's destined for a comeback and that she'll make it here. But I think it'd be fair to at least not pick her for this just because I feel like it would be an easy pick for a lot of us given her uh recent <laughs> form. Uh, but again, we're picking someone in let's say FPO first, someone who's in the top eight. So that's Kristen Sattar. Well, in the top seven, if we exclude Katrina, so, between Kristen and Haley King, you pick someone who you think is going to miss the. Uh, See you final later, round
2: Merch. Who's going to miss what?
0: Who's going to miss the cut? So, they get these stroke advantages for two rounds. And what's and the cut line? Based on uh, eight for FPO. Okay.
2: So, okay.
0: So, they all have a stroke advantage above, let's like right. say, Sarah Hokum in ninth. Um, some have more. So, like Owen Scoggins has a two stroke advantage, uh, Missy Gennon has a three. How many people make it in for FPO? Eight.
3: 18. No, no, like total. 18, looks Oh, like. 20. 20. Okay, uh, so, so Juliana and yeah. Henna are both in.
0: So, yeah, with what okay. I sent you, uh, Henna is not in. Juliana is in, but Valerie Hano got an auto bid from winning the LWS Open. Paige Pierce also got an right. auto bid right. for winning a few oh, events, that's but in. So, Juliana made it in, though. Two no. bold number- <laughs> Juliana made it in because names. Paige Pierce dropped.
2: Good for her. So, am, I might be missing something here, but, like, isn't it possible that Kristen through Haley, they all make it into the final eight?
0: Sure, and yeah, then that's it possible. just would be void. That's okay, absolutely okay. okay,
2: okay, okay. I was yeah. just like, Is am I missing something? Okay. I'm making, I'm making my payment. Cat merch, no Ella Hansen.
0: I, I thought it was funny. I kind of want to go Ella Hansen because what Holland was saying and hyping her up, uh, not <laughs> to play against it, just thought it was interesting. Uh, I'm also gonna go with cat merch. Wow,
4: I can't yeah. go cat merch, I can go own no, Scoggins, though.
0: What Ron Scoggins. What? The rating uh, runner-up, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why not? That is massive choke. Cold strategy. Wait, strategy. Wait, now
2: you pick Scoggins last week to drop too.
0: Mm.
2: You did.
4: What? What was it for? Bo- Popper drop. It was drop. Well, you you said I, I hope
2: drop. she forgets everything that she knows. You said. <laughs> and, All right, yeah. same
0: things. Yeah. <laughs> hey, she finished thirteenth, which is her first non-DI. Oh, sorry, her exactly non-DNF since Music City Open. Wow. She's been on a pair this season, so. Ben better I stop still wouldn't pick her, her for a drop. Though. Okay, yeah. so
2: we did that. Now what's next? Love oh, now great we're one. picking
0: someone in FPO who's between 9 and 20th for the tournament um, who's going to make the cut. So mm. uh, again, like Sarah Hoka, Macy Vill- Diaz, Jessica Wiese, and Allie Smith all get a stroke advantage but are still one stroke behind the cut. Man, um,
4: Recency bias, my favorite player right now. Lucky.
0: I know I, she's been playing well.
4: Yeah. So make make the cut and that's it or like what happens if they keep going like finished well
0: ali smith maybe we can pick a winner pick too i don't know man we, i'm just we, making this up so in this,
4: this is for like pop-offs and drop-offs yeah, this is our
1: pop, like pop and drop
3: and drop and then our lock yeah. pick will be who we think is okay. going to win the event Alice ali smith yeah, <laughs> yeah. ali's Smith.
1: yeah, Ooh, you awesome. wait, 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 yeah,
0: yeah. I, I was liking that too i think i'm going to go macy vela diaz
4: that was going to be my mm-hmm. second pick
0: I would have picked him. Yeah. Did Ben
4: pick, yeah. I'm going with Sarah Holcomb <laughs> because um her partner just subscribed to the channel. It wasn't recent subscriber. It's not anymore, but wow for this episode. Nice. Wow. Very cool. nice. So
3: um also, where is cool. Valerie standings-wise technically? Is that put her in
0: number 20? So what I assume, I actually don't know this for sure, but what I assume is Valerie would be number 19.
3: Okay. Um, and Juliana would because be. Because
0: Paige Pierce would be number 20. Yeah, But then Juliana Corver is replacing Paige Pierce, so she would then drop okay. to the bottom. And the same thing happens that's in MPO. Kind of I
3: mean, that's kind of a good pick. I might switch to Valerie. Because if she's number yeah, 19, so, she's pretty damn Well, she good. still has a
0: zero-stroke advantage. It would be the same as 14. Yeah. Four.
3: yeah, I know. But, like, I picked Lucky. Oh, oh sure. I, oh, was yeah. Valerie yeah. Was in there I didn't either.
2: see
4: Valerie. Yeah, because <laughs> Valerie's not technically okay. on that list right there, but I'm just, that's audible. why I'm wondering. No, she's there. I'm going to go to Valerie, actually. All right. Good I'm going to switch it up to Valerie. I'm still sick of Sarah Holcomb. Okay.
0: Now, okay, yeah. Awesome. And, and to say one more thing, cause I'm not a hundred percent sure on this, but this is what I'm assuming based on last year's I'm sure the players are aware. Um, the media report might've said it, and I just didn't read it close enough, but, uh, my guess is that there's no, um, playoffs for ties it's done by seeding. So, uh, let's say that, uh, even with a- like a- after the advantage, like Sarah Hookham starts at minus one, uh, Valerie Jenkins starts at even, even if Valerie Mandahano gets a stroke on Sarah Hokum and they both are in the, at that eight, nine spot and they're tied for that, tied for eighth, it would go to Sarah Hocum because she is the better seed. Uh, that's how it's been in years past. Um, I would assume that's what's sticking here. So it, it, Valerie Mandahano's in 19th, even if she tied Jennifer Allen, who's also at a zero stroke advantage, um, it would go to Jennifer Allen. So she essentially has to get an extra stroke, which is tough, but. Of course, Valley Van Honda is a great player, so I'm not doubting the pick. Just wanted to explain those rules. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, all right, over to MPO, and we're going to do Wait, somebody. Lock, in a... lock it.
3: Oh, Who's lock... winning? Chris and Tatar? Are we unima- un- unanimous?
2: <laughs> no, Ben's going to get someone else. I'm going with Haley I'm King. Not... I love that pick, too. Especially
4: at uh, Nevins, which is what she plays all the time right now. I, I think. know.
2: See, now you're yeah. like, a, oh. Yeah. oh, oh, oh.
1: Mm-hmm. Lock.
4: Uh-huh. I'm just gonna cover my bases. It's like it's like putting when you play roulette, putting it on the zero and double zero. I'm going on Scoggins. <laughs>
0: Goodness, this guy.
4: <laughs> I get two that's, chances. That's not betting the
0: 0 worst, and, uh, that's The worst, zero. worst that's zero. when you when put it on zero and, zero and double
3: zero, neither <laughs> of them hit because the likelihood <laughs> of that is pretty rare. <laughs>
2: all right. Oh, right. by the way, before we move to MPO, I'm just saying, this last weekend's performance was pretty exciting. I wouldn't say boring at any level. On MPO side, you would. Yes, on MPO. On FBO's I, a battle. But this, is, but this is to the point, not to rehash it, it doesn't take away the credit, like the awesomeness of what Kyle did, the celebration, the satisfaction. But watching it, I was there. The two putts on 18. I was there, and I was like... Oh, he's up by eight or nine. Like, let's go on to something else. I'm like at the venue. Let's yeah. just go see what else is happening. Like yeah. that's what it does. But like FPO was like, oh baby, what's gonna happen? Yeah. Really cool. Okay. Anyways. So back to MPO. Oh baby. MPO. Uh same thing.
0: Top so power doing? Top eight. We're doing top twelve this time. Top yeah. so twelve down to Ezra Robinson. Although note, like Ezra Robinson's twelve, Alden Harris is thirteen. They both have the same stork advantage. But again, I'm guessing that if they are tied, the Benefit would go wow. there. so who's going
3: to drop out of these My
0: guys? My Anthony Brella,
4: Anthony Brella, Eagle McMahon. I don't see Ezra Robinson for some reason. Oh, He's never mind. 12. He's in twelve. Yeah, I skipped right over him. That was weird.
0: I I'm going to go. I I usually don't bet against somebody who's playing well because that that's funny. When I get <laughs> in here in a second, I'm going to go Kyle Klein. He's going to be on that uh, major winning high. Got 30 G's in his pocket. He's going to be. All, he doesn't want to get the 40. <laughs> i don't know but Dude, i guess a he does want to get 40 70
4: grand Jeez. well that's like we were weird, weird
3: joking after worlds like oh is isaac gonna have the world's hangover and stuff like that but anyways <laughs> uh i said eagle matt you said ab mm-hmm. I'll evan go, you said
4: cockline ben i'll go proctor yeah. i feel like he's kind of been falling off towards the end of the season and maybe it'll continue
0: he, he's focusing on caddy duties right
4: sure uh, well, I say yeah.
0: that it like because he was killing it on bag duties for Evelina Salonen all week. Uh, not to diminish his play, uh, of course. Oh,
4: I thought he I thought he caddied for caddies for Ella. Probably, he he's switched. Pro- he's t- probably t- world t- renowned Evel- caddy. I didn't really. Yeah, he was that. helping out yeah. Evelina.
0: Yeah, I think he even was carrying both bags for a little bit for fun. But uh, yeah, it was mainly <laughs> Evelina. He was like coaching her up too, and just well coaching her up as in like keeping things light and and stuff like that, like general, casual caddy stuff. All right, picking someone who's outside the top 12 who we think is going to make the cut.
3: Outside the top 12, we're not doing like 18 through 32 or 24 through 32, whatever. We're just picking I mean, outside we, the top
0: 12. I mean, we could. I, I was keeping it simple. I don't know.
1: I okay. don't make the rules. No, here. no
3: we, can, we can do it. 13 through 32.
1: Yeah. James Conrad. Um, oh, Joel uh, Freeman. Oh, no, yeah, it, no. Chris Dickerson.
3: Yeah, God, oh, there's so many good players I could pick. I was man. gonna say Aaron Gossage. So many good get players.
0: Ali. Yeah, and, and no, Paul Ubari is in. Parker Welk is yep. also in. Who's sitting? Yep. In but we get. Do we get more there.
2: points if we picked a player further down? Well,
0: well that's. Evan,
2: we'll let Evan figure that out because one. I feel oh, like, I like I feel that. like because I feel like Nick picking Chris Dickerson that's what is I way was gonna easier, be easier thing, yeah. than me picking James Conrad. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, like we could just do like their invoice. Well, I mean, realistically, place. it's only but like one that's how many points advantage. you get is yeah. the place they are. Sure. So, like, yeah. like okay, uh, Chris Dickerson's sitting in 15th place, so you'd get 15 points if he makes the cut. Okay. All right. That's fair. And then, yeah, I don't <clears> know how it would work for the other way around. We'll talk about it afterwards we'll and bring up the, the two and a half hour sure. show so he far.
4: Makes- I'm, yeah. <laughs> this show is flying by still, though. This is crazy. I'm going with
0: uh, Corey Ellis. I'm going with Bradley Williams, keeping the hot hand. You know, that's mm-hmm. what, what I'm going. Do
3: I'm going to go Joel Freeman. That's my actual. Pick. Oh, you
1: moved it back. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then who's winning? <laughs> Dude, my I don't know why my gut's saying
0: Simon. Dude, like, how weird same. Is that? I want to pick but Simon so bad. I'm not picking him. I kind
3: of want to. You, you,
0: you, you, uh, it's man, so tough to take. To like
3: Ricky, for some reason, always shows up at this event too, and I'm like, yeah. is Ricky gonna win it? I'll, I'll go. I'll, I'll the, go.
2: I'll go. Simon Lazat before you guys do. Done.
0: In, MP, in MPO, the only time that the number one player in the point standings has gone on to win is Ricky Isaki, and it's both times he won the event.
1: Mm-hmm. He's not yeah.
0: number one in points this year.
3: Or do we have a Cinderella story this year?
0: Do you we? know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with this. Isaac Robinson wins and hundred percent cements his Player of the Year uh, candidacy.
4: Yeah, I was gonna go Isaac Robinson too. Can you scroll down the list a little bit, Matt? Isaac Robinson for me. I think he he yeah. came too close last right. year to not do it again.
0: And again, the interesting thing is like Isaac Robinson has a a five stroke advantage, which is really three strokes no. over the cut line. Uh, that's a really nice advantage, which you know gives him a huge leg up to make the finals. But then he's still got to beat twelve players. I'm gonna change a, mine. A <laughs> even playing field.
4: I'm gonna change mine. I'm feeling I'm feeling the energy. It's gonna be hootie who baby.
0: Matty
4: O. So I'm going Matty O. I think he got it in the bag. I want to pick Isaac or Simon. And I'm kind of tossing.
0: I it was between, between the those, two. but I, you yeah. guys sold me on Simon. You should go Ben Strategy and go uh, Chris Diggerson. <laughs> <Yeah,
2: laughs> right. uh,
3: five more seconds of thinking of Ricky Wysocki.
0: Ricky, Ricky, Ricky.
3: No, I hate Next that pick, need, Simon. We need. <gasps> Simon. Okay, never Simon's mind, but public. we do need
0: the rights to the Ricky Wysocki song. Yeah. <laughs> if he does uh, win, we need to play it. That's oh, all I percent. That is not even copyright. Everybody,
3: thank you so much for tuning in on this wonderful Monday night. This was episode 160% of iCosmicDG. <laughs> uh, go check my cosmicdg.com and also go check out disc golf pins, discology bags, all these different people that have made the Nick and Matt show for what it is. Uh, tell someone, or excuse me, hold on. Don't forget to like, comment, subscribe on the video. Check us out, we have some cool YouTube videos dropping as well in the next month or so Tell someone you
2: love them this week, we'll catch you in the next one Do you know what episode you started asking people to tell someone you love them on? I think one Nope Nope, And you know how I figured this out? Because I had a fan come up to me, I think his name was Mike, the guy who bought our pen And he goes, goes, trivia for the Nick and Matt show I'm curious if you guys know, when did Nick say that, what episode And I was like, within the first three Within the first seven, I would assume So I don't remember which number it is now. But he was like, it's a trick. He goes, you guys interviewed Jomez in studio? He's like, but you had pre-recorded Hannah and Paul in studio. Yeah. And that's when you said it. But it was released after Jomez. Oh, and I'm like, Hannah. "I'm like, we've got crazy yeah.
3: fans out there. That was, that was well into the show then. <laughs> <Man>. <laughs> I don't know. No, I thought no, I started that at the beginning. Yeah. But Anyways, I took it from you someone else. Tell someone you love, love, tell someone someone wait, you love them. Wait, why would week? you reveal that? Everyone I didn't knows it. My, my
4: life is a lie.
3: Everyone knows it. I didn't know that. I've said it before. Tim the Tabman says it
2: at the end of every single Oh,
4: no. oh my God. Yeah. All right.
2: Ben you're awesome Nick you're awesome Evan you're awesome you're,
4: is, it, is it ninjas does ninjas say that you need to tell me peace oh out my goodness the Nick
1: and Matt show a disc golf podcast designed for you the disc golfer find the Nick and Matt show on your favorite podcast platforms or join the conversation live on YouTube